Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of October 19th, 2023, including... You guys, it's official. Microsoft has officially acquired Activision. We can move on with our lives. The deal has been done. Oh my God, it's been two years. All that and more. On this day in Xbox history, in the year 2010, 13 years ago, Fallout New Vegas was released for the Xbox 360 and Windows PC. Now, this game is pretty high up. This is probably top five games on my list of, I'm so ashamed to admit I've never played this game uh, list. You know, it's very high up there. I know, I know. I, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't need to defend it. I don't need to explain it. It just is what it is. You gotta, I gotta own it. It is... It is my truth. It is my reality. It is it is my uh, what is it? Yeah, it's it's my truth. Is that I haven't played Fallout New Vegas, uh, but I promise this is very very high on that list of like I need to get to this game before I die list of, of backlog games. Right up there with the Mass Effect trilogy, where I'm just so profoundly embarrassed to admit I just I haven't played it. But I know people love it. I know it's by many considered to be the best Fallout game. Of course, Obsidian's to try out a fallout game it's there taking everything all the bones of fallout, fallout 3 and having a quick two years or so to try their hand at at this new fallout formula that bethesda had created with uh with fallout 3 and um yeah to many's account uh obsidian out out bethesda to bethesda with this game so i know it's a highly regarded bethesda style but technically obsidian developed fallout game and uh yeah one day but 13 years ago this game definitely, this is definitely making me feel a little, a certain type of way. Just 13 years ago, it sounds like old people talk. I remember playing games on like the OG Xbox and the GameCube back in the early 2000s. It'd be like, 13 years ago, that was the 80s. They make TV shows about it because that's old. And now here we are, and 13 years ago feels like it was like, I don't know, two iPhones ago. I don't, it's just, it's crazy. But follow New Vegas, happy anniversary to you. I'm sure many listening have very fond memories uh, for this game. So, all right, guys, welcome to Xbox on before we just roll into the notable new game releases of the week. I got to say, obviously you can tell by the title. You can tell probably because you're not living under a rock. You know what's going on. It's a pretty big week for Xbox. Um, the Activision deal has finally gone through. It's done. It's over. It's case closed. Maybe not forever, but probably forever. So it's, it's a big deal. And so that's actually going to take up the bulk of this week's, uh, conversation. So we have a little bit of a weird show in that there's not too much news outside of this. And most of what we'll be talking about the main news segment is just like sub stories of this big news. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I just feel like I gotta, I gotta say at the top of the show, we just don't have, there's not a whole lot else to talk about, but there is a lot to be said on this topic. So I'm excited to get into it. This is the first time in a long time we've gotten to talk about this deal where it's like, 
truly exciting just because it's like, hey, the deal is done. We don't have to talk about the legal speak. We don't have to get into all the what ifs and hypotheticals. It's just it's just like, hey, the, the deal's done. Now we can go back to talking about video games. And I'm excited about that. And I'm looking forward to all this. So also, it, it is fun that there's just, um, I don't know, there's just a little bit of an excitement in the air, regardless of where you fall on the spectrum of like, is it cool for Xbox to buy Activision, for Microsoft to buy Activision, this mass consolidation of the games industry and, and what this means and blah, 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 and how it, you know, anties up the competition and forces other players to start consolidating. Regardless of how you feel on that particular part of this and, and, and the implications of all of that that come with Microsoft buying Activision, there is no denying that there is a, a very palpable uh, excitement in the air just uh, I, I and I feel like it's felt by all honestly. Like if you're an Xbox fan, it's felt because it's like, hey, this is cool. It's like a, it's like big news. You know, not to say that like we're all financially vested in Microsoft and we're gonna get paid because this deal went through or something. But you know, it's just it's just kind of like a cool win. Xbox definitely does feel like it gets a little shafted sometimes when you th- when you talk about like the public perception and 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 people just don't think very highly of it. And it does seem like a lot of like just simply owning an Xbox and preferring to play your games on that platform comes with a lot of ire arbitrarily sometimes. And, you know, like I was telling the anecdote about a couple of weeks ago, I was at the, at the bar for my friend's birthday. And one of his, one of his friends is just instantly like giving me crap about the whole, like, Oh, you play on Xbox. Oh, you're playing Starfield. It's like, come on, what's, what's with that, man? You know? So it's just, it's a, it's like a feel good kind of win week for Xbox. And that's nice between that and this new Halo infinite season. That's drumming up a lot of hype and excitement. It just it feels good, uh, I guess. To if you're invested in this ecosystem, in this community, you play here, your friends are here, um, whatever your online community is here, whatever the case may be. It's an exciting week, so I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited to not have to talk about the courts and the legal system and all the regulatory boards across the globe that I know nothing about, but I have to keep talking about as if I as if I do know what I'm talking about. I'm probably just drop, driving people to drink with my my stupidity. So it's good to have all that behind us and be able to talk about just video games again. So there's that. Um, but yeah, with that said, let's keep going with the normal run of show, beginning with. Uh, Notable games releasing this week. It's a big week. Again, it's crazy year. So basically every week this fall, there is at least one or two highly notable games. And this week is no exception because first and foremost, we got to talk about Sonic Superstars. Baby it came out on Tuesday. So the game's officially out. Sonic, what did it? Was it Tuesday? I thought it was Monday. Xbox Wire is saying it came out on the 17th, but I thought it was the 16th. Doesn't matter. Regardless of the fact, this podcast is going live on Thursday, so whatever day it hit, it's out now. You can play it. Go ahead, buy it. It's $60, so not $70. This is one of those games. It's not the full like modern-day retail price of $70, bucks, so there's a little win for you there if you're looking for a great, a great way to get a new game and not have to pay the full modern $70 price tag, although I think they have a deluxe digital edition that is $70, bucks, but you don't need to get that version, of course. Um, now, you know, if you're, if you're a listener of Xbox on, you're probably going, Jesse, why don't, why aren't you more hyped? Why don't you have more to say about Sonic Superstars? It's not that I'm not going to play this game. It's not that I don't think this game looks great. I think it looks really great. I'm very excited to play it. Um, I didn't buy the game that might come as a shock. I did not purchase Sonic Superstars. I have not played this game at all yet. And that's just because a couple of reasons, um, you know, just really right now, just no freaking free time whatsoever. Um, I'm moving into my house in a few weeks and I have no like discretionary funds right now. Everything is just like, I, I got to go figure out 
how to how to buy a refrigerator and move one of those from a Home Depot into a house. Like that's got to be like a whole. Like I, I gotta I gotta pretend I gotta put on my big boy pants and pretend to be an adult for like the next five or six weeks of my life. So. Video game spending is kind of on a hard hold, and it's a little bit of an unfortunate timing for that, but what the f- I'm getting a house. I can't complain. I'm, I'm a privileged piece of shit. I don't get to complain about about this. So, Sonic Superstars, it will be there when, when I have the time for it, and uh, we'll play it then. And honestly, knowing knowing new Sonic games, this, this thing will be freaking, like, at least, like, $43 or something on a holiday sale at some point in December. So I'll probably pick it up around the holidays and play it then, which I think, I think that, I don't know. There's something very, I'm getting real off on a tangent, which is very on brand for this podcast, as you know, but um, I don't know. There's, to me, there's a very like historical for me, at least coziness with associating like character platforming games with, uh, with the holidays. I just have, I guess, because I love character platforming games and played so many of these as a kid. And you know, when you're a kid, the majority of the video games you get are probably for your birthday or Christmas. I just have a, a heavy association with like, it's Christmas, new Mario game. It's 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 Christmas time, new Sonic game, new whatever you know. So it's a it's a cozy feeling. I like the idea that maybe for uh, maybe for Christmas this year I can play Sonic Superstars and that will be, I think that'll be a lot of fun. I you know Kirby's Epic Yarn. That's a, that's a really memorable one. Mario's uh, ooh Super Mario Galaxy favorite game of all time. I remember playing that right after Thanksgiving around Christmas time. I always associate that game with the, with the holidays. Sonic Unleashed, another one of my favorite games of all time. So anyway, Sonic Superstars, very much looking forward to playing it. I'm not playing it right now, but I will, you know, rest assured I'll have a lot to say about that when the time comes. Other thing is just like, when it comes to Sonic, I love all Sonic, but not all Sonic is created equally. I'm going to say something that's technically ass backwards by most people's accounts, but for me, this is just how it works. 2D Sonic, I love it. I love 2D Sonic. Excellent shit. 3D Sonic... I like it so much more. I know, throw tomatoes at me, I'm an idiot, you're not supposed to say that, but it's how I feel. I feel the same way about Mario, although maybe that's less controversial. Um, 2D Mario, love it. I want to play Super Mario Wonder, which also comes out this week, so bad. The game looks great. I'll I'll play it later. But if it were a 3D Mario game, if this was like Super Mario Odyssey 2 or Super Mario Galaxy 3 or something like that, dude, fucking, I don't care. Zillow, can you sell my new house before it's even ready to move in? I don't give a shit about this. I gotta play Mario Galaxy 3, but that's not where we're at, so, I don't know. The 2D versions, I mean, I'm, listen, I was born in the 90s, which means I was raised in the early 3D era, so, yes, I had exposure to Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and Super Mario World, and SNES, and Genesis, and all these things, but I'd be lying to you if I didn't say, you know, as a kid, the stuff I gravitated more towards was, like, Sonic Adventure, Super Mario 64. So, I don't know, I, got, I really like that 3D shit. That stuff's really got me. Anyway, let's move on. Sonic Superstars, you look great. Can't wait to play you. And if you are playing Sonic Superstars this week, please write in and let me know what you think of it because I know we have some Sonic listeners, whether you're closeted or you've or you've come out and talked in the comment section below. I know there's a few of you. So let me know if you're enjoying the game. I'd love to hear about that. Ne- the next notable game uh, this week worth mentioning, um, which I, I, I didn't put the... No, I do have it here. October 19th, so the day this podcast goes live. Um, Hot Wheels Unleashed 2 Turbocharged. Um, so this game is out. It's the sequel to the Hot, uh, Hot Wheels Unleashed, which came out only two years ago. Um, the first one was great. I bought it day one. I love that game. I think that's a very, very fun um, arcade racer game that is you know very accessible to kids. You might think Hot Wheels, that's for kids. But this game was clearly a labor of love made by a bunch of man-childs who uh, grew up loving Hot Wheels and wanted to make a game that is very accessible and very, uh, like, 
much a, a love letter to adults that grew up with Hot Wheels, and it, it really shows in that game. It's a very competent game that's very much, um, it's very much you know fully fleshed out and pretty you know in in depth in terms of its, its mechanics and its its level of detail and and in the care and effort that went into it. So it's a really great. It's one of those really great licensed games that really spans the spectrum of being both for kids and adults. Um, kind of like Sonic. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Hot Wheels Unleashed 2. I'm not going to play you right now because, again, there's just too much going on right now, too much time. I got four, you know, Game Pass, Forza Motorsports. I'm going to play Forza Motorsports right now. I'm enjoying that. But I know there will be a time where I pick this game up and give it a try. Uh, but now is not that time. $50, again, keeping with the theme. It's not a $70 game. $50. Bucks. There's a there's a deluxe edition. There's a, comes a DLC and all that stuff. But you can, get, you can get in the door for $50. Bucks. Good. And that's an optimized xbox series s x game smart delivery all that stuff and then the last game coming out this or actually there's two more uh, <laughs> the last serious game coming out this week i want to mention is uh gargoyles remastered we talked about this on the podcast the other day when it was um, announced but this is a remake of the disney gargoyles game um that was i don't actually don't know i think an snes game maybe it was a genesis game i don't know i never played it growing up but it looks cool it looks very fun and uh, it seemed like there was a lot of goodwill and hype surrounding the game when it was announced a few weeks back. But it's out this week. It's 15 bucks. It's a digital game. There's a physical version of the game being released down the road. Um, I think you got to pre-order it only or something like that. But if you just want to play it the normal way, 15 buck download. Comes out this Thursday, October 19th. Gargoyles remastered. Beautiful new art style. I think it looks really cool. Um, but again, it's just the, the writing theme is... The only other game I plan on buying in the next month, two months, without a doubt, I don't care if the freaking, uh, the sun crashes into the earth and we all burn into oblivion, nothing will stop me from buying this game, um, is Alan Wake 2 next week, and just, I don't, I don't care. I'm, I'm buying Alan Wake 2, I'm gonna find a way to play the game, I don't, I don't care if I gotta call out of work, if I gotta freaking, uh, uh, I, you know, hire a, a look-alike model, to to pretend to be my 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 girlfriend's boyfriend for a while. I don't whatever I gotta do. I'm playing Alan Wake two next week. But uh, Gargoyles remastered, Hot Wheels Unleashed two, Sonic Superstars. Another stellar week. And the cool theme here is that all these games are under seventy bucks. So a lot of great games coming out that you don't have to you know if you if you're one of those more money conscious gamers saying uh games are so expensive now seventy dollars. While I don't personally agree with that sentiment, I will say, hey, who am I to argue with someone trying to save a buck or be Conscious, wise with their money. Let me, I, I, I can never say conscious right. But anyway, yeah, video games under 70 bucks. There you go. Uh, there's one more game coming out this week I did want to acknowledge, and this is maybe just more for kind of the, more for, for the lulls, as uh, they may have said in like 2014. But um, yeah, I just, what, what the fuck is this? So Skull Island Rise of Kong uh, came out this weekend. Again, another game under seventy dollars, it's forty bucks, um, and if you're a Game Pass subscriber, you can get it for thirty-two dollars. Uh, but this isn't like, a, unlike the previous three games, this isn't like a oh, isn't that so cool? Check this game out. This is more like a uh, we have another Lord of the Rings Gollum on our hands or some or something of that nature. Uh, where this is a, a King Kong game um, called Skull Island: Rise of Kong. It's uh, by Game Mill Entertainment who are known for making these really cheap, licensed, half-assed kind of digital-only, one-off, no no marketing behind it kind of throwaway shovelware games. Um, they made a G.I. Joe game uh, two or three years ago that I played 
quite a bit of actually, but that game looked and played a lot better than the way this game looks and looks like it plays. I haven't played the game, so I don't know if it, if it plays bad, but it looks like it plays bad. Skull Island Rise of Kong. At first, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, like a King Kong game that's like a 3D action game. Like, that's that's very, like, PS2 era. Like, I kind of respect that. I think that's cool to have something like this. 40 bucks. It seems like a good price tag. I clicked on the game. I'm like, this game looks like shit. And so I looked it up on YouTube, and apparently it's, like, a little bit... It's become a, a little bit of a meme. Like, apparently, people are kind of, like... There's a lot of chatter about this game online. People talking about how bad it looks. Uh, it does look terrifying. I, I highly, highly recommend you look up a, a video clip or two of, of this game, Skull Island Rise of Kong. Because King Kong has, like, permanently fucked eyes where he looks... Uh, like he is just permanently in a state of constant surprise. Uh, like, oops, uh, I didn't expect you to walk in on me um, sticking my tongue into the fucking uh, the pumpkin pie that you had slaved over for five hours for Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow. Uh, oopsie, I guess I'll have to go out to Kroger's grocery store and purchase um, you know, a replacement pie or something because this guy's, his face, it's just, it's terrifying. And uh, aside from that, the game looks janky, jittery, kind of a mess. Um, but I don't know, man. If I games like this, they don't, they don't. I don't know. I feel like most people see a game like this and they're like, oh, that's so stupid. That game's so so shit. I, you know, fuck that game. Don't buy that game. But whenever I see a game like this, there's a part of me that's like, I kind of want to go play it. I kind of want to go see what the what the fuss is all about. So probably won't. At least not for 30, 40 bucks, but Skull Island, Rise of Kong, a little bit of a new meme we got going on here. Maybe not uh, Xbox on meme, but uh, a, a meme nonetheless in the gaming community where people are uh, kind of ragging on this game. And it, it looks like shit, not going to lie. Looks like total shit. I can't I can't say many good things about the, the, pu- the publisher slash developer of the game because um, I've, I've played at least one of their other games and that wasn't very good either. But um, yeah, I mean, it's they have it listed as... Optimized for Xbox Series X, so, you know, even though it looks like shit, it's somehow optimized for the most powerful video game console of all time, so that's that's good to know, so. But hey, at least it's under $70, so it's in line with the other games of being a, a brand new release that can be had for under the standard MSRP for a new video game of, of $69.99, so. Alright, let's move on, guys, into our Stories of Mild Amusement updated stories, um, Surprise, we actually really don't have any this week, and I think this might be the first time in in over 200 weeks that we haven't had really a story that fits into this echelon of story, where we try to have, like, stories that we don't have to go too in-depth about, but we can talk a little bit about, and then, you know, in the news, we talk about the main meat and potato type stories, and at the end of, this, of the podcast, we do, like, the rattle-off housekeeping type, like, one-off stories, but uh, we have nothing that really fits into this this slot of mildly amusing stories. So what I put in here was um, just the September monthly NPD update, although it's called Circana now. I don't know, whatever. They got bought out or they changed their name or something. But NPD, which is the organization that tracks video game sales, and it's only in certain markets. I think it's it actually might just be North America. Um or no, it is ju- it's specifically just the United States. It's not even North America, so it's pretty specific. Um, but anyway, they're called Circana now, and we've got our numbers in for the month of September 2023. And I love going over this data. I just always think it's really interesting and fun to see, obviously, you know, what were the best-selling new games of the month, but also, like, what old games are still lingering in, like, the number 16 through 20 spot, and also, you know, what was the best-selling hardware of the month. This is actually... 
very compelling data to me, so I just like to share it on the podcast. Generally, we put this in the main news, but I'm going to put it here so we have something kind of gnaw on a little bit up top before we get into all of the Xbox Activision news later. But yeah, so from Windows Central, I read their write-up for it. I got their write-up for it here. Circana Executive Director and Analyst Matt Piscatelli shared the latest video games sales charts this past week, revealing that Bethesda Game Studios Starfield was the best-selling game for the month of September 23, 2023, that is, in the United States. Uh, this results in notable... This result is notable as the game also debuted as a Game Pass title, of course, and is the first game released from Bethesda Game Studios as part of Xbox's first-party lineup. Starfield is also instantly the seventh best-selling game of the year. Mortal Kombat 1 followed Starfield as the second best-selling title of the month and eighth best-selling game of the year. So for gaming hardware, the PlayStation 5 was the best-selling console of the month in both dollar sales and units, followed by Xbox Series consoles in both categories. Total video game sales for the month across hardware and software reached $4.495 billion. Now for the best-selling games of the month and of the year so far. Bear in mind, as always, Circana tracks games by dollar sales, not individual copies sold. And some publishers like Take-Two Interactive and Nintendo do not share digital data, so you can assume that their games actually tracked higher than is reflected on the data. So, in order, for the month of September 2023, here are the top 20 best-selling games in the United States. Number one, Starfield. Number two, Mortal Kombat 1. Then we got EA Sports FC 24, which goes to show that, hey, that uh, FIFA brand name isn't really doing too much to stop this game from being a, a sales, you know, a sales, uh, what do you want to call it? A little sales fireball. Uh, in the number four spot, we got Madden NFL 24. Um, and that's also notable because, a couple things here, because um, Madden and FIFA are always top-selling games around the time of year that they come out and the fact that FIFA is still sold way better than or better than Madden enough to top it on the charts um, shows that, you know, Madden, a game with the NFL license and, and FIFA or EA sports FC, a game that no longer has the FIFA license. Uh, well, maybe that license didn't matter all that much in the end anyway. Although of course it is important to note that also just soccer is a much, much more important, larger sport on a, on a worldwide perspective for our listeners and other countries. I know in, in the UK and in Australia and all that, of course, when I say football, I'm talking about American football. When I say soccer, I'm talking about what you refer to as football. So I'm sure, I don't know. I feel like maybe it's a little silly to have to make that difference that, that, that make that note. I think everyone kind of understands, but anyway, regardless of the point. EA Sports FC 24 is at the number three spot. Madden at the number four spot. At the number five spot, we got Payday 3, which is pretty impressive, especially considering that was a Game Pass game. NBA 2K24 at the number six spot. Although, again, no digital data was shared because that's a uh, that's a 2K game, so you can assume that game was probably uh, at least the number four, number three spot. Probably sold better than Madden because basketball is pretty freaking huge. Number seven, the Crew Motor Fest. That's not terrible. You know, they made it seem like that game kind of flopped, but hey, ranked number seven on its launch month. That's not terrible. Number eight, Armored Core 6, Fires of Rubicon. Number nine, Hogwarts Legacy, just holding on. Number 10, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. It's kind of impressive that Hogwarts Legacy is beating it out. Number 11, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Number 12, Resident Evil 4, the remake, of course. 13, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Again, that's a digital game, so you could assume it might have ranked higher. Number 14, Minecraft, just one of those games that's just permanently always on there. Number 15, Mario Kart 8, again, another one of those digital-only games, and a game that's just constantly on this list. Number 16, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, number 17, Gran Turismo 7. 
Number eight, and that's notable because Gran Turismo just had that movie come out last month, so you, they probably had some synergy between the movie coming out and the game, the, getting a, a new rush of interest. Uh, number 18, Elden Ring. At number 19, Sea of Thieves. And number 20, Diablo 4. So Sea of Thieves, that's really good to see that still hanging on. A couple, couple notable games. And these are the games that at the end of the day that you know Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo, whoever you are, these are the games that they that they shoot for, right? This is why everyone wants these live service games. You got Rainbow Six Siege. This game's like, how old is Siege now? I think that game came out in 2016, I want to say. I, I think it was 15 or 16 is when Rainbow Six Siege came out. The damn game's number 16 best-selling game of the month in the U.S. I mean, games as a service, man. That's why people want that shit. That's Ubisoft's baby right there, you know? Um, Elden Ring, obviously, that's just a really good-selling game, so that doesn't really count. Sea of Thieves at 19. I mean, you know, people always act like Xbox doesn't have popular games, but that game is just quietly just a huge game. It continues to do really well. I love seeing that for Rare so much. I, lo- I have so much love for Rare as a... As a developer, I just love seeing them have success. The, the longevity of Sea of Thieves makes me happy. Um, although, when, when did I get that Monkey Island DLC? Was that September or was that earlier? Because that might have had something to do with that. Uh, Diablo 4, obviously games as a service, but still relatively new game, so that's not surprising. Uh, no surprise to see Call of Duty on there because it's always on there. But yeah, I mean, Minecraft, you know, kind of a platform game, a games as a service type game. It's been basically on this list almost every freaking month for the past 15 years, so it's no surprise there. Um, what else? Uh, what else? What else? What else? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I just, this, there's a reason why they go for these types of games, right? We don't see Halo Infinite on here, although it's supposed to be more games as a service than it is. You know, you don't see The Last of Us Part 2 or, or anything like that on here because even though those games are huge, God of War Ragnarok from last year, you don't see that on here or for a Horizon. Because even though those games are huge, they draw a lot of attention, drum up a lot of hype, and they get your core audience really excited. At the end of the day, these games you want are these sticky games as a service, you know, games that that just have this longevity forever and ever and ever. Um, and you think about like Sea of Thieves and Rainbow Six Siege and Minecraft and Call of Duty and all these games. It's like, yeah, this is why everyone's chasing this games as a service stuff is because that stuff just stays on these charts forever. Unless unless you're Nintendo and then you just have freaking Mario Kart on there forever. I mean, that that Mario Kart game is is that Mario Kart Mario Kart 8 will be a decade old in like 6 months, 7 months. That game came out in like May 2014 on the Wii U. That game's about to be 10 years old. I cannot believe it's still on MPD almost every freaking week. But if you're Nintendo, I mean, God bless you, Nintendo. All right. Uh, and, and let's go a little quicker with this next one. But so that was just September, right? But here are the best selling games of the year, the top 20 best selling games of the year period. So not just September. This is from January 1st until and through September. These are the top 20 best selling games of the year. One, we got Hogwarts Legacy. Two, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, 3, Madden NFL 24, 4, Diablo 4, 5, Modern Warfare 2, 6, Jedi Survivor, uh, 7, Starfield, 8, Mortal Kombat 1, 9, Resident Evil Remake, 10, MLB The Show 23, 11, Dead Island 2, 12, Final Fantasy 16, 13, Street Fighter 6, 14, EA FC Sports 24, 15, FIFA 23, interesting to see those games literally just neck and neck with each other, Uh, 16, Armor Core 6, 17, Elder Scrolls, 18, Remnant 2, 19, Dead Space Remake, and 20, Mario Kart 8, of course. Um, So, really good. Starfield only having been in there for one month 
is the seventh best-selling game of the year. You know, you could assume that if that game came out way earlier in the year, it could it, it could potentially be in, like, the number five, number four spot, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't sell better than Modern Warfare 2 this year. I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. But, uh, you know, really good stuff. Obviously, I, I honestly... Okay, let's try to just keep this specifically to Starfield. Ignore the other games. We, we chatted a little bit about everything else. I would say that this is an overwhelming win for Starfield, considering that it's it's only on two platforms, Xbox and PC. On PC, you suspect the majority of people who are going to play it there are going to buy it and not subscribe to Game Pass because buying and playing games through Steam is just so much more prevalent and common on the in the PC space than subscribing via Game Pass. But on the Xbox platform... I would suspect just the opposite. I would suspect that the you know at least at least 50 60% you know maybe 60% of people who are going to play Starfield on Xbox are going to play it via Game Pass. Maybe even more, maybe more like 70% of people who play it on Xbox are going to play it through Game Pass. So that's a huge accomplishment to be the seventh best-selling game of the year and you can assume, I don't know, I mean PC's way bigger than Xbox, but you can assume 30 to 40 percent maybe of the people who played this game maybe a little more played it through a subscription service and therefore their their time spent with the game their interaction with the game isn't counted accounted for on this list that's a huge win for for starfield and another thing to keep in mind is it's like yeah starfield is a huge like um killer app must play title for xbox that's a huge win for them it's a game they've needed so badly you know a release like this but it's important to keep in mind that Starfield is no Call of Duty in terms of it's just mainstream casual appeal. It's no, you know, FIFA or Mario Kart or anything like that in terms of just being this kind of game that almost everyone has played in some capacity at least once, you know. Starfield is the type of game where it's like as far as nerdy gamer type games go, this is about as big as it can get. However, still at the end of the day, there are far more non-gamers who have probably engaged with like a like a Grand Theft Auto V or a Minecraft or a Mario Kart or Smash Brothers. Um, you know that's more likely to have happened than you know than like a like a super casual, not so much gamer type person who's played like a Starfield or an Elder Scrolls or a Fallout. Although you know Bethesda keeps going a little bit more more and more mainstream as as they grow. Although you could argue it maybe peaked with Skyrim, but still. This is a huge accomplishment, I, th- I would say. Um, games a roaring success, despite the toxic discord discourse online. You know the the slightly underwhelming review scores and the people just looking for ways to shit on it and complain about the load screens. There's again, I you know I'll come back to Starfield, but for now I put it down for a little while. I'm 50 plus hours into the game. I loved my time with Starfield. I think it's a wonderful game. I think there's plenty of criticism to be thrown around. Plenty of ways the game could be better. But I, I gotta say, I I I haven't played Alan Wake two yet. But barring Alan Wake two just knocking my socks off, which is entirely possible, Starfield's my favorite game of the year. I played this far by by a lot. You know, it's it's very easily my favorite game of twenty twenty three so far. And I'm I don't know, it just it makes me happy to see Xbox get a win and to see Bethesda's really ambitious, long in development sci-fi space open world game pay off and be awesome and just see you know we can focus on all the people online yelling bitching and moaning and complaining about the game but number seven best-selling game of the month despite being widely available through subscription service tells me that among those people yelling and crying and bitching and moaning on the internet there are far 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 more people 
who played the game, bought the game, interacted with the game, and probably just had a really great time. And I know you could say, but Jesse, what about the people who thought the game was going to be great, bought it, contributed to the sale success, and then were greatly disappointed by it? You know what? I, I, I don't think that's as many people. I think a lot of people are borrowing opinions from their favorite YouTubers. I think a lot of people are trying a game on game on game pass that they wouldn't have otherwise purchased. And then finding out, yeah, my inclination was right. This game isn't for me, but the people who are out here putting up 70 bucks, pre-ordering the game day one month, one supporting Starfield. I'm sure the overwhelming majority of these people are probably getting in this game and thinking, wow, this is a really, truly special game. I'm really enjoying Starfield. And it just, I don't know. This sales don't lie. You could get, you can play this game included in your $17 a month subscription through Game Pass or $10, whatever it is on, on PC, $12, $13 a month on, on, on PC Game Pass. But people went out of their way to spend 70 bucks on this game because it's that good. And so shout out to that. And one more thing I just want to throw out there as we wrap up, just kind of the, the good vibes for Starfield as I think, you know, it's a little bit maligned in kind of the online discourse. So... Real quick, go to Starfield on Steam. You go to the recent reviews, and it's got mixed reviews. And that's where all the trolling comes from. But you look at the all-time reviews for the game, nearly 70,000 user reviews, all-time reviews, mostly positive. 72% find the game to be mostly good, which is freaking awesome. And I... One of my favorite things about Steam is it shows how long people have played games. I love this stuff so much. Like, like the uh, I'm looking at the first the first review here says, "Do not recommend, <laughs> do not recommend this game." They put 253 hours into the game, and they reviewed the game at the 183 hour mark. And their review is, "I do not recommend this game. It's a five out of 10. I love that shit so much. I love. I'm sorry. I, I, I love the person. I, I, we talked about this last week, so I won't dwell on it. But I, I love the whole like this year's Call of Duty is a piece of dog shit. I bought it for $70 and I put 400 hours into it. And I'm here to tell you it sucks. I'm like, damn, it must have sucked so bad that you spent 400. The only thing I can think of that sucks so bad that you spend 400 or more hours on is like, I don't know, your day job going to school. like something like that like family engagements like freaking i don't know like graduations and funerals and shit like those are the kinds of things i can think of where it's like i spent so much time doing these things and they suck you know mowing your lawn paying your taxes but i've never heard of like this game sucks five out of ten do not recommend by the way i put 387 hours into the game okay man sounds like you really hated it but uh anyway shout out to shout starfield it's an excellent game Shout out to all the people who are enjoying it, and shout out to the sales success. I think Bethesda, Bethesda definitely um, worked hard and, and, and earned this success. And then for Xbox, <laughs> good for you. God knows you guys needed a win, so it's good for you guys. All right, that's gonna do it for all of our opening news stories. Let's um, obviously we'll get into the the main news, but first I'm gonna go into the games I've been playing this week because I have been playing games this past week. Uh, but before I can talk about the games I've been playing, first I gotta tell you all about what I've been eating and. I don't have anything super fatty or fast food related to talk about. Nothing indulgent like that. But I, uh, it's another one of my Aldi money saver kind of h- hacks. This is a TikTok video now. Guys, here's how to hack your morning coffee with Aldi. Uh, but no, um, so we lately we've been on the Dunkin' Donuts, like just the regular blend of, of coffee. Um, for those who don't know, by the way, I, we, well, let, me, let me back up. I just, every morning, 
I got like a little coffee maker. It's like a single serve coffee maker. It makes like 16, 18 ounces of coffee. So technically it's like two servings, but it's it's marketed as like a, a coffee maker for like one cup of coffee. And every morning I make a cup of coffee before work. And usually if, if I'm feeling spicy, if money, you know, if, if money ain't a thing, my girlfriend doesn't care and she has no interest in the buying decision, I'm a caribou coffee man. I love caribou coffee. My girlfriend really prefers the Dunkin' Donuts coffee, even though she only drinks coffee like maybe two days a month. But anyway, we get the Dunkin' Donuts kind. It's really good. I, I like the Dunkin' Donuts kind a lot. If you've never had like the store-bought Dunkin' Donuts ground coffee beans for like eight bucks a bag, it's actually like super good coffee. Like it's it, it's it's a shame because it, it's it's eye opening to realize how good Dunkin' Donuts coffee is by default, and how hit or miss Dunkin' Donuts is when you go to an actual Dunkin' Donuts store. Because there's, I mean, everything from their food to their coffee to the ability for someone to get your order right is just all over the board. It's like shitting on the bathroom wall in a in a freaking truck stop Waffle House. It's just like. It's complete scattershot with the customer service and the and the ordering of the coffee being half decent. But if you don't go to Dunkin' Donuts, you just go to your local grocery store and you buy the Dunkin' Donuts ground coffee, you're gonna have a good time. That's that's probably like about like the most rec- highly recommendable type of just generic ground coffee you can get. Well, we ran out this week as we do every uh, month or so, so it's time to go buy more coffee. But I'm trying real hard to really push this Aldi thing. I'm trying to be as money grubbing as possible with the with the grocery spending right now. So I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna do something that normal Jesse would never do. Normal Jesse would be like, Aldi. Okay, we're at Aldi. I don't mind buying broccoli or eggs or whatever at Aldi. Whatever, you know, fucking block of cheddar cheese. We'll buy it at Aldi. I don't care, right? But when it comes to certain products like my coffee. I'm going to buy the name brand. I'm going to I'm going to buy that on Amazon or I'm going to get that at Publix or Target or whatever. I'm going to buy the name brand coffee. I'm going to buy the name brand I don't know, what's like something I would usually never I would never bend on. Like I'm going to buy the name brand Cheez-Its or whatever, right? So I'm I'm I just love pushing the envelope more more and more because what I've learned these past few months really going deep in the Aldi paint is that Aldi's brand is not only just serviceable sometimes for like everyday items like oh all the you know all these version of bread or all these version of nutella like we talked about back uh, a few episodes ago but you can get like highly specific with it and more often than not all these version is pretty damn good so even though i know that and i've experienced that firsthand a lot as of late i really wasn't expecting for all the coffee to be as good as it is but here we fucking are so I did a little bit of research before. I was like, okay, I'm out of coffee. I'm like, you know what? I know Aldi sells coffee. I wonder if it's good. And I'm just talking about like your generic bag of, of ground coffee beans, right? Resealable ground coffee beans bag. And I'm like, you know, if I want to go cheap, I could get like a Cafe Bustello or something like that from Walmart. A, you know, like a, a pack of that, a cocaine brick of that is like three, four bucks. Like that's pretty cheap. But I really want to keep pushing this Aldi thing and, and try it out. So I look it up on Reddit. People say overwhelmingly that Aldi coffee is actually pretty good. I believe them. I've had good experiences with coffee with Aldi brand. So here we go. I'm shopping for coffee at Aldi. I buy their version of that donut shop coffee. I don't know if that's supposed to be like a knockoff of Dunkin' Donuts or if it's like that knockoff of that like Keurig K-cup coffee that you see that says donut shop. I don't fucking know. I've never had that stuff before. I assume it's just basically like regular generic coffee that's like Dunkin' Donuts. So I buy a bag of this shit I think it's like $3.86 or something like that for for coffee, for a bag of coffee that is comparable to the same Dunkin' Donuts coffee I buy that's usually between like $8 to $10 depending on the retailer. So we're literally talking about 
50% less expensive. Like, like it's half the, this thing's literally half the price. And I get home, I bust open the bag, I make my first cup. What do you know? This shit's like, it's not, it's not as good as the Dunkin' Donuts coffee that costs twice as much, but it is almost as good. This isn't like one of those like, oh, I don't mind paying an extra dollar or two for the name brand. It's just, a, it's just you know, I'd rather just have it be that much better. This is like good enough that if you're the kind of person that puts a little bit of cream and sugar in your coffee, which usually I'm black with a little bit of sugar. Sometimes I do cream. Sometimes I do creamer. Just depends what all is around. Generally, I'm black with a little bit of sugar. But if you're going to put creamer and sugar or cream and sugar in this coffee, forget about it. Don't buy the name brand. Don't even bother with the Dunkin' Donuts. Don't bother with the Caribou. Don't bother with the Starbucks. Don't bother with the, what, what are other big brands? Pete's. Pete's is a big brand. What's that one? That New England brand with the yellowish cream colored bag. Don't worry about any of those. Forget about it. Go to Aldi. Get the $4 bag of coffee. It's just as good. And I'm blown away. I'm shocked here. I'm like, damn, when things go, you know, like when, when this is all, when this is all said and done and we moved and like, we're, we're not trying to like crunch the dollars and be like super, super penny pinchy about everything. I'm like, I don't know, man. I might just stick the fucking Aldi coffee. Why not? Why not say $4 a month and just buy the Aldi coffee? It tastes pretty much just as good. That being said, I probably won't stick with Aldi coffee because I'm such a brand loyalist and I love caribou, but that's because I'm a little bit of a basic bitch, but I got to give a serious shout out to Aldi coffee. I mean, at this point, I gotta say, I think the only Aldi brand thing off the top of my head, the only the only Aldi brand thing I've ever purchased, that I'm like, yeah, that's shit. Just don't buy the Aldi brand version. Is probably just tortilla chips. Honestly, really, tortilla chips from Aldi, ass. They suck. They're just they're terrible. I know Tostinos are outrageously expensive. Buy the Tostinos. They're so much better. That's the only thing I can think of though. Like everything else, like Cheetos puffs, bread, vegetables. Uh, dairy products, including cheeses, milks, everything, freaking butter, all of it. Bacon. We got breakfast bacon the other day, dude. Like I never eat bacon. It was like a very special occasion. I never buy bacon. We bought Aldi bacon. It was a pound of bacon for under four bucks. I'm like, what? This would be like eight, nine dollars at the. It's just like the coffee. This would be like, dude, at Publix, forget about it. Publix, that would be like ten, twelve dollars for a pound of bacon. I don't, even, I don't know what to say, dude. Aldi's out here. They're fighting the good fight. You can get their freaking $3 bottle of Aldi wine. It's fine. You can buy a knockoff Blue Moon or freaking Heineken or Bud Light or knockoff. Um, what's what's the other one? They they got like all the major beer brands. They got like knockoff beers of for like six bucks for, for a freaking eight pack or whatever. Six pack, 12 pack. I don't know. It's all cheap. Alcohol is cheap. It's the same. Frozen foods, just as good as the name brands. Aldi, what are you doing? My girlfriend got the freaking Aldi gelato under four bucks for a tub of Aldi gelato. Some of the best gelato I've ever had. Listen, man, if this is the Germans make good for World War II and all that, I got I got to say, it's kind of hard to make up for what happened back there in World War II and all that stuff, that time period. But uh, Aldi, very, it's a very nice gesture. I'll say that much. It's a very, very nice gesture. So shout out to Aldi. Let's get a Trader Joe's in this area as well. Please, for the love of God, I love all their freaking frozen pastas and Asian food and stuff. But, uh, yeah, so that's what I've been eating. Guys, let's move on to the games I've been playing. All right, I got a couple things to talk about here. Modern Warfare 3's beta just happened this past week, so we're definitely going to talk about that. And then we got some other Halo, Forza, Call of Duty. I mean, this is like classic Xbox. We're talking about Call of Duty, Halo, and Forza. I mean, throw Gears of War in here, and it's like fucking old days. But anyway, 
let's start out this week's what I've been playing um, with a comment from none other than Mr. Maug, who writes in and says, I thought I was going to enjoy Modern Warfare 3 a lot, but I found I still enjoy Black Ops Cold War the most out of all the recent Call of Duties. I still play to this day. Modern Warfare 3 is probably a skip for me, or most likely a wait for a price drop. It still feels like $70 DLC pack after playing the beta. Mr. Malg, I'm really glad you wrote in specifically with this because I feel like you kind of touched on everything I would want to address about the conversation being had surrounding Modern Warfare 3. So, you know me, I've talked about Call of Duty way too much on the podcast, and I've I've said my piece about how I feel about the Modern Warfare 3 thing and people bitching and moaning about the it's not a real sequel, it's just it's just $70 DLC. And for a long time, my my attitude was like, what guys, even if it is just, you know more content based on Modern Warfare 2 that we got last year. It's like, what are you complaining about? 16 new maps, retooled mechanics and features, new equipment, a brand new campaign, a new zombies mode. You package all that shit up together. It's like, even if it feels exactly like Modern Warfare 2, like last year's Call of Duty, who's to say all that content isn't worth 70 bucks? Like, make the joke, call it DLC all you want, but who's to say all that isn't, I mean, that's pretty good value for 70 bucks. If you ask me, like I can easily spend a hundred hours playing 16 remade OG modern warfare two maps and uh, a brand new call of duty campaign and a, a, a new take on the zombies formula. Like I'm down for all of that, like 70 bucks, sign me up. I'm, I'm here. And that was really my energy and my attitude going into this beta. I, I actually had like no reservations about, about whether or not I would like this game. I was super hyped for it. I was completely blindsided by any, potential possibility of me being like modern warfare three. No, I'm not going to like that. Or that, you know what? I just, I really fully expected, like, of course I'm going to like this. I, for some reason, ever since modern warfare 2019, I've just been back on the call of duty train. Like I fell off call of duty hard throughout the Xbox one generation, basically didn't play any of them. Really, really just didn't care about call of duty throughout the majority of the Xbox one years. But, um, so, dude, Modern Warfare 2019 came around, reinvented the for a modern era the Call of Duty formula for better and for worse. Because there's a lot of things about New Call of Duty I hate. Fuck you, Warzone. I hate you. I hate you so much. I hate what you've done to this franchise. But that being said, I think Modern Warfare 2019 has an incredible campaign and a good foundation for multiplayer. Although I don't love that game's multiplayer, I think Black Ops Cold War is just straight up one of the best Call of Duties ever made. It's like top five Call of Duties for me. It's so good. Love the campaign. Love the multiplayer. Love the zombies. That game is fantastic. Um, I thought Vanguard, while definitely not a great game, I know a lot of people hate it. I think that game, despite being a bad game, has a very addictive multiplayer, um, very good maps, and I, I loved the um, the ability to change the pacing of multiplayer by, you know, matching with different numbers of players on the same maps. I thought that was great. Um, so that game, you know, it's not a good game, but it had its merits, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And then Modern Warfare 2 last year, people shit on this new Modern Warfare 2 that came out last year, but... I think Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is a great game. I really love it. Campaign, super badass. Multiplayer, a huge improvement over Modern Warfare 2019, in my opinion. I love the new maps. I love so many of the weapons. I love a lot of the tweaks and changes they made, especially to like gun progression and unlocks and things. I've, I've really enjoyed the past year of Modern Warfare 2. I think it's a really, truly great game. Honestly, my favorite um, Infinity Ward Call of Duty ever made. I know that's a controversial take. I know OG Modern Warfare 1 and 2 are like the best, but... I'm sorry, I, I love this new Modern Warfare 2. I think it's a great game. So going into this one, I was like, this has got to be great. My only reservation possibly maybe ever potentially could be that this year's Call of Duty is being led by Sledgehammer, and Sledgehammer is by far my least favorite developer that works on Call of Duty, but 
they're basically just adding content to Modern Warfare 2, which I love so much. So it's got it's got to be good, right? All right, that's a lot of setup for what I'm about to say, but I played this Modern Warfare 3 beta, and within my first two matches, uh, I, I wrapped up, I was like, damn, man, I was like pretty... I was like just pretty much immediately over it. And it's weird because it wasn't like, I, I don't think it's bad and I didn't have a bad time playing it, but it really does feel like, <laughs> I, I hate that I'm saying this because usually I don't agree with like the mainstream public outcry complaining uh, complaints around video games, but this game really does feel like $70 downloadable content for Modern Warfare 2. And the reason I say that isn't because that's the thing people are saying. And it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to say that too. But it's because it earnestly, not because it looks like $70 DLC, but because it earnestly feels like $70 DLC. Because, and I say it because I've been playing Modern Warfare 2 consistently since it came out last November. And you know how it goes. Every month, they're like, season four is out, season three is out, whatever, right? And they'll be like, yeah, with, the, with this week's update, here's a new multiplayer map. Here's a new multiplayer map. Here's a new gun that you can unlock. And here's a new like little in-game event, right? So I'll hop on, you know, March, May, July, September, whatever. I'll hop on Modern Warfare 2. I'll go try out the new map. They'll have a playlist that's like new map 24-7 playlist. So you can try the new map a lot. And I'll go play the new map for like an hour or two. I'll go try to unlock the new weapon, the new blueprint, play around with that, level it up. And the thing is, Playing this Modern Warfare 3 beta this weekend kind of felt exactly like when I'm playing Modern Warfare 2 and a new map just, you know, becomes available. When they're just like, oh yeah, it's like Season 4 Reloaded, here's a new map. It just felt like another new map. It didn't feel like a new game. And I know if you're like a lapsed Call of Duty player or a Call of Duty hater, you're like, well, duh, every Call of Duty is just DLC. Every Call of Duty is just the same game rehash. It's like, ha, 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 sh shut up. You don't know what you're talking about because that's not true. That's not, that's not true. If you think that like a Treyarch Call of Duty game feels the exact same as an Infinity War Call of Duty game or that like a Call of Duty game from 15 years ago feels the exact same way as a Call of Duty from 10 years ago in the exact same way as a Call of Duty from last year, like... That's cute. You want to make the comment because you're tired of Call of Duty being annualized, but like, shut up. You don't actually know what you're saying. Like, I promise you, Call of Duty is a new game every single year. This is probably the first time I've ever played a new Call of Duty game and said, this kind of just feels like DLC. Like, honestly. And, and don't get me wrong. They, they did make changes to the movement and the feel and some of the mechanics of the game. And so there are ways in which they change things up. And after the beta ended and I went back to Modern Warfare 2, I could feel a little bit like, oh, oh yeah, I guess this is like a little, you know, sliding is a little more nerfed and you can't, you know, slide canceling has gone and all that shit. And like, oh yeah, this piece of equipment I was using the beta isn't in Modern Warfare 2. But it was like so eerily the same. Like the game just felt like more content. And that's not a bad thing in and of itself, but it kind of, Makes me sad because I'm okay with this feeling like $70 DLC, but I wish it was just Modern Warfare 2 Big Ass Expansion Edition rather than Modern Warfare 3 because I'm playing this and it does feel exactly like Modern Warfare 2 and I, and I go, if only this was one game that just had a huge content add-on rather than we're chopping Modern Warfare 2 off of off of the uh, the game and now we're just adding new maps new campaign and all that and, and 
you know, separating as a different game. And it's so weird because the game is in some ways a continuation of Modern Warfare 2, in some ways not, because you get to carry over all your guns and all your progression and everything and all your um and all your um uh skins and everything that you've purchased and unlocked from Modern Warfare 2 into Modern Warfare 3. But you don't bring your level over. You know, you don't bring your your rank progression over. You don't bring that campaign and those maps over. And so it's like, I'm going to be playing Modern Warfare 2 when it comes out next month. And I'm going to have all my guns and all my skins and all my unlocks from Modern Warfare 2 in the game. But I'm going to be level 1. And I'm not going to be able to play those Modern Warfare 2 maps that I really enjoyed. I think Modern Warfare 2 last year actually had some of the best Call of Duty maps in a long time. And all those maps are just going to be gone now. And it's like, this is weird because it just feels like... Modern Warfare 2, but now a bunch of content has just been cut out of it, and they've tweaked and changed around some of the things. The time to kill is a little bit longer, and the game feels just a little bit faster. It does feel just a tiny touch faster. Um, not as fast as, like, Vanguard felt. Vanguard felt very fast two years ago, but um, I, don't, I, just, I just find this very, very odd and peculiar, and I thought I was going to play this game all day after work on Thursday, all day after work on Friday, and then pretty much all day Saturday and Sunday for my weekend. And I ended up playing it a little bit on Thursday, barely any on Friday, and then a fair amount on Saturday, and then just a little bit on Sunday evening. And on Sunday evening, it was kind of a chore. I was kind of forcing myself to play it because I just wanted to finish the 30 ranks that are included in the beta. I, I don't know what to say. It's like, it's not bad. It is good. I like Modern Warfare 2, and therefore I like Modern Warfare 3. It's just more of the same with a couple of tweaks. I'm not so, like, into Call of Duty and, like, good at understanding the meta of the game that I'm like, guys, slide canceling is back, which fundamentally changes everything. And now uh, the, the new tax stance completely changes the way I view Call of Duty because now when I'm using the running perk, you know, flank assist or, like, I, I play so much Call of Duty and I don't even know the names of these things, you know? It's like I just shot off my brain and shoot that when I play. But, like, you know, I'm not I'm not like one of these Call of Duty YouTubers that's like, oh, the, the meta's completely fucking changed. The spawns need to be reworked, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't have that kind of nuanced conversation to add here. But I can just tell you, as someone who plays a lot of Call of Duty but is very casual in their understanding of, of the game on a deep level, it feels like more of Modern Warfare 2. And that's not a bad thing, but playing these old Modern Warfare, like OG 2009 Modern Warfare 2 maps remade for this new game, and then having the game feel exactly like the Modern Warfare 2 that just came out a year ago, it just feels a little a little derivative and redundant, and I'm just not loving it. And I, I remember loving these old Modern Warfare 2 maps from 2009 back in the day, you know, Estate, Favela, and Skid Row, and all, all these maps that are in this beta, right? In, in the beta, I think they had four or five maps. Rust. I actually hate Rust. Fuck Rust. <laughs> and they put Rust in the beta, and I hated it. I still hate Rust. But I remember loving Favela. High Rise, I loved High Rise back in the day. It's such an iconic map. That's one of those multiplayer maps that just... It's not like I just have nostalgic memories of that map, not even necessarily playing that map. I just like that video game location is a nostalgic place, even though I've never been there because it's not real. Like it's one of those kinds of nostalgic things for me. Like I love those old maps, but I don't know if they just don't translate well into modern modern Call of Duty. But um, I don't know, like playing through this this beta, I kind of hate a state in this game. Like I think a state sucks. It's too big. Uh, it, it encourages way too much camping. I feel like I can run around forever and never find an enemy and then just get sniped out of nowhere. And I feel like high rise is kind of a mess, especially on domination. It's just like everyone's crowded in the center and nothing's happening on the peripheral, even though there's so much to do and see on, on the sides of the map. And 
I, I don't know. Like, I just, I, I thought Skid Row was really good. Like, I, I still really love Skid Row. I think that map translates really well in this new version. But, like, a lot of these maps, I was like, man, th I, this does not feel like it's good to be home. Kind of like a trip down memory lane. I'm playing these old maps again, having new memories with old old friends or whatever. Like, it, it, it felt like, wow, these maps are really derivative and i kind of wish we had <laughs> new maps to play on um because i don't know man i think black ops cold war had some really solid maps i think modern warfare 2 last year had really great maps including that one everyone hates where you're at the mexican border and you can throw the bomb the grenades and just explode a million fucking cars i think stuff like that was a lot of fun and really cool and inventive and um even though older Call of Duties had some great maps no doubt you know world at war modern warfare 1 and 2 black ops uh, 1 and 2 and all that I just, I'm not necessarily yearning to go back and play a bunch of maps I already spent two, three hundred hours with ten years ago. I'm kind of looking to go do something new. And so, I don't know. I don't have too much more to say on Modern Warfare 3, but uh, Mr. Mal, you kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit. You kind of touched on how I feel about it. Still, you know, of this new era of Call of Duty that began with 2019's Modern Warfare, this new era with Warzone and the, the engines feel different and the graphics look different, and it's kind of like this new Battlefield Call of Duty look and feel that we have today. I agree with you. Black Ops Cold War, by far the best modern Call of Duty. It's such a good game. And next year, when it's finally Treyarch's turn to go again, I can't fucking wait. We know they're working on a new Black Ops game. It's supposed to be set in, like, the Gulf War era. I, I cannot wait for that game. That game's going to be so good. I love Treyarch Call of Duty so much. Treyarch Call of Duty, some of the best first-person shooting you'll ever experience in your life. That that shit's so good. Um, so, I, I don't know, man. My if, if the full game release is anything like my experience with the beta... Modern Warfare 3 would be kind of like Vanguard for me, where I could see myself enjoying a really solid 30 to 50 hours with the game, um, having a good amount of fun with it, but I don't know that it's necessarily going to capture me and make me want to play it for 12 months, like Black Ops Cold War did, or like Modern Warfare 2 did, so... That's not necessarily a bad thing. Maybe it's good. Maybe I'll finally have some time to go play uh, Fallout New Vegas for the first time. You know, maybe that'll happen. But I, I don't know. I'm a little disappointed because I've been so vested in Call of Duty this past year, especially. But I feel like I'm about to maybe tap out after the first month or two of Modern Warfare 3. And it's it's unfortunate because I already pre-ordered the game. And I don't regret pre-ordering the game, but I already pre-ordered the game. So, like, I'm, I'm going to play it no matter what. Um, but, yeah, it just... I'm not like in love with it, so I'm kind of with you on that. Uh, it does it does feel like, you know, for once I'll, I'll stop being a little hipster trash bag and I'll agree with the the consensus and the and the kind of main thing that people say online. It it does feel like seventy dollar DLC, not necessarily in a bad way, but it does feel like seventy dollar DLC. Well well said, Mister Mag, and thank you for writing in. So that's it for Modern Warfare Three. I will touch on a couple other games real quick that I've been playing, although I don't have nearly as much to say on these. But Headhunting Halo wrote in and says, So it looks like Halo 5 season... Or sorry, Halo 5. God, I wish it looked like Halo 5. Uh, so it looks like Halo Infinite Season 5 is 30 days long, which is really cool for some reason. Uh, the uh, the time on it says 30 days, which I hope is true. This season is great for the first time in seven months. It surpasses 10K people on Steam. Yeah, I saw that. Apparently it's had a little bit of a player resurgence. Uh, which is nice. Also, I've noticed that maybe you're speaking softer or something with the same mic. I, I've something I have the same mic I've always had when I listen to the past couple of episodes. It's been hard to hear you. I'm haunting. Uh, oh, the haunting event on Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 is really great too. Disney Speedstorm is really fun, but it seems like a big money pusher. Have a good week. What spooky games are you playing this season? Oh, that's a lot. Um, yeah, right. Uh, please write in if other other listeners if you've 
if you feel like the podcast has been kind of low or the volume's been uh, a little all over the place, let me know. I've been, I, I thought I was having a little bit of an issue with that a couple months ago, but I thought I resolved it. So to hear this now, thank you for hanging in. I'm glad I, I, I know, but I'm gonna try to work on that. I don't know, I don't know what it is because when I play back the episode and when I check the recording, my mic volume is basically as high as it goes before you know it peaks. So I, I, I'm not sure what that is, but yeah, let me know if anyone else is having a hard time hearing. Maybe. Head hunting Halo, maybe it's your earbuds or your speaker or something, but maybe, hey, maybe it's my mic. I don't, I, I don't know. I hope not. I hope it's just your system is fucked and broken and that my system is okay. Head hunting Halo, because then I won't have to worry about it. Okay. So clearly I'm just putting, putting the, the stress and the problem in, on, on your shoulders, in your hands. Uh, so yeah, that's me being a good guy, but joking aside, um, yeah, so I'm really excited to play Halo Infinite <laughs> season, uh, five. Um, I, I actually was going to play it last night. But what happened is I came home from work. I turned on my Xbox. I'm like, let's just make sure everything's downloading. Like everything's updating. The only three games I could have potentially wanted to play last night all had updates at the same time. I turn on my Xbox. And it's like, hey, um, I'm I'm actually updating Modern Warfare 2, Forza Motorsport, and Halo Infinite in that order all at the same time right now. So give me a minute. I'm like, okay, Xbox. How many gigabytes is this Call of Duty? It's Call of Duty. I know Call of Duty. Every time you look at Call of Duty, it, it, it it's like a fucking kid asking for Fortnite money. It goes, can I have an extra five gigabytes, please? Please, just five, five, ten more gigabytes. That's all I need. So I'm, ex I'm expecting, you know, with this new Season 6 on Modern Warfare 2 with this new Halloween event that it's probably going to ask me for five to ten more gigabytes. And I'm going to say... Fine, you can have five or ten more gigabytes, um, but you know, don't tell your father or something like that, whatever the fuck you say. But um, nope, Call of Duty goes, I need 90, <laughs> I need like 90 more gigabytes, please. I'm like, what for fucking season six with a Halloween event and two new multiplayer maps? You need you need 90 more gigabytes? What the fuck is that? I'm pretty sure it was like 90 gigs. I, I don't, I'm not trying to exaggerate, I'm pretty sure it was like 90 gigabytes. Um, maybe it was more, maybe it was 99 gigabytes. I don't know. But my guess is that maybe what it's doing, because Call of Duty is now one app, it's like a Call of Duty launcher, so my guess is that maybe what it's doing is it's downloading all the Modern Warfare 3, like, campaign and, and multiplayer suite, along with the Modern Warfare 2 um, Season 6 update. I'm hoping and praying to God that's what it's doing, because Modern Warfare 2 went from being, like, an 80 gigabyte download, like, a year ago, to, like, 200 gigs, and I just... I, listen, I don't have any more gigabytes to feed you, Call of Duty. You got to figure it out. So calm down. So Call of Duty was updated. I was like, fuck, that sucks. I'm like, okay, well, let's look at Forza. Forza's got an update. Forza, uh, 2.8 gigabytes. I'm like, okay, Forza, I can give you 2.8 gigabytes. No problem. You're a new game. You probably got a lot of, like, bugs and things you need to fix and address. So here you go. Here's 2.8 gigabytes. You have a great day, Forza. I love you. And then I'm like, okay, Halo Infinite, maybe what we'll do is update you first because Halo Infinite's way more respectful of my storage. We'll update Halo Infinite and then we'll play that uh, tonight and then we can do Call of Duty in a night or two after it's figured out the fucking 90 gigabytes or whatever it wants from me. Halo Infinite goes, hi, I need 50 gigabytes. I'm like, whoa, 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 Halo Infinite. When the fuck did you become Call of Duty? What? So, so Microsoft buys Activision and all of a sudden Halo things that can be 90 gigs, 90 gigabyte updates, 50 gigabyte updates. Calm down, Halo. So... I didn't get to play Halo Infinite Season 5 last night like I wanted to. Uh, instead, I got to let it update. So the Call of Duty was update was already like mostly done by the time I had checked. So I ended up just playing Modern, Modern Warfare 2, uh, the new haunting event, the new Season 6 Halloween event they're doing, uh, which I'll talk about in a second. 
but I'm really excited to play Halo Infinite's new season. That's that's my main game I want to play this weekend is Halo Infinite um, because I'm just very excited about what they're doing here. And we know Firefight's coming back in a new way in a couple of weeks, which I'm super excited about. I'm really excited about AI in um, in Forge. I'm really excited about these new uh, these new um, um, arena maps that look phenomenal. I just yeah the the fifty fifty tier season pass one month season thing for Halo Infinite way more attractive than like a three month season with a hundred tiers. So I'm just so excited about what they're doing with Halo Infinite right now. I think this might finally be the thing to pull me back in and get me addicted to Halo again. So yeah, man, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm glad. Uh, well, actually, did you say you're playing it? Um, I don't know if you said you're playing it, but hopefully you're enjoying it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good. It's good to see a little bit of a halo resurgence. Obviously 10,000 players concurrent on steam. Isn't that impressive, especially for a game that used to have over a quarter of a million concurrence at its, at its all time high, but it's a lot better than when it had like fucking 800 people. So that's good. Any, any, any news is good news for halo, I guess, in this point. Um, yep. So the haunting event, like you said, it's cool. It's new. It's back. Um, yeah. So I'm playing the haunting event on call of duty modern warfare two. I don't have too much to say about it other than this event is Super fucking cool. They got a couple of the multiplayer maps have been like done up, decorated for Halloween. Uh, one's the El Asilo map, which is in Mexico. So fittingly, they make it look all Dia de los Muertos uh, with like the Day of the Dead stuff. They got like the fucking sugar skulls and the all that stuff going on. And and uh, I think the map looks super cool. I already love that map. I think, you know, speaking of Modern Warfare 2, having great original maps, that's already a map I really love in Modern Warfare 2 and now it just looks even better and they got this new event where you can get like spirits from getting kills and you can collect those and then unlock all these little Halloween emblems and, and dongles for your gun and new skins and new character uh, outfits and things like that and I just I love it it's like the whole game looks spooky and is so fun the embassy map which is another excellent map is like all like horror now and it's nighttime instead of daytime when you play it and there's like blood all over the walls and there's like fucking you go into the office buildings and there's like seance circles and fucking like um, like just skulls and blood everywhere on the tables and everything and it just it looks so stupid and cool and fun and I love it it's festive it's it's crazy everyone's running around with new Halloween guns and all these things and they got the Diablo 4 characters in there and stuff but the best part of this update the best part of this event is what they're doing in Warzone in the DMZ mode I hate Warzone so I'm not going to engage with it but I will play the DMZ mode because the DMZ mode is how you can um it's played on the Warzone maps, and you can do this new event where there are six bosses spread out on the Warzone map, and you can just hop into DMZ or Warzone and go find these bosses and fight them and unlock cool rewards. So last night, I did two of them. I did the Pharaoh, so he's like in the north corner of the map, like the northwestern uh, corner of the map, and you like find this underground area where it looks like you're in the freaking Egyptian tomb, and then like these like freaking like this mummy pharaoh goddess thing pops out, and like you have to like get with your squad and and, and defeat it. And it's fucking awesome, and then you get like cool Halloween tier rewards, and then on like the southern, southwestern or southeastern corner of the map. There was the UFO one, which is so cool because you got to get on a boat and go off the map into the water to go find the UFO. But when you get near the UFO, it's like the waves start like curving up off the fucking map. And so you got to like swim up into the air and then land on this cargo ship. And then there's like all these little mini UFOs and you got to fight them. And then a big UFO shows up and you got to like take it down with RPGs and, and you get all these cool rewards and shit. And there's a bunch of other ones. There's a, there's a Diablo 4 one where it's like this like this like um, this like. Uh, freaking Ozzy Osbourne crazy train looking thing and you gotta like jump on it and fight it and it's one of the witch queen people or whatever from Diablo I don't fucking know Diablo but 
Anyway, I love this stuff so much. This stuff is so great. When games embrace this kind of stuff, I love seasonal timed events with new content, but I really love when games get festive, like when Destiny or like back in the the RuneScape days when I was a kid, you know, like playing like the Halloween events or the Halloween quests and the Christmas events and all these kinds of things. I find that stuff so fun. It's so festive. It's such a great way to enjoy the season. Halloween being my favorite holiday. I just love having like this fun little spooky way to do Halloween um, within Call of Duty, a game that I'm always playing and always enjoying anyway. And so, it's it's so like extra fun when like the thing you're already doing anyway is also getting in the holiday spirit so i, I don't know they call of duty they've done a lot of halloween events and various call of duties over the years but um this is one of the more thoughtful and full-fledged and like fully realized kind of holiday events i've ever seen in a call of duty game and i just got again shout out to infinity ward shout out to modern warfare 2 people hate on this game it's so damn good in this holiday event so fun so i'm really excited about it really enjoying it so far trying to get some of these new weapons um trying to get some of these spooky halloween skins my girlfriend who never plays call of duty who groans and moans and rolls her eyes whenever i'm playing call of duty and she walks in the room and i'm just playing cod um even she was just like oh my god you can unlock a little black hat charm for your gun and she's like kicks me off the xbox and now she's playing call of duty trying to help unlock all the freaking like little like uh, jack-o'-lantern stickers and things like that so that we can like decorate my guns and and make everything look all halloween like in my call of duty profile so i, I don't know it's, it's a lot of fun i love this shit so shout out to the haunting event in modern warfare 2 um so that's it that's it for all the call of duty all the halo the last thing is forza it's just i don't really have anything to say about forza i did spend an extra two hours or so with it this weekend and so far forza motorsport is everything i thought it would be it is really good. It is really compelling. It is really beautiful. It's a lot of fun, but it's a game you got to be in the mood for. And luckily, I've been in a car mood lately. I'm listening to I, I, there's a YouTube channel I love so much. They're um, very much inspired by the British show Top Gear, which is a, another show I've I've always loved and, and watched religiously. And um, they're called Everyday Driver. Great YouTube channel. If you're a car enthusiast, I highly recommend it. It's these two two guys in U, in uh, Utah that just do these really well. Um, these really well thought out and, and, and shot um, videos, very Top Gear style, um, just like long term, like um, driving sessions and reviews and impressions. But it's not like, you know, here's the new Audi R8 and here are, are the reviews. Um, the engine is powerful. So I'm going to give it a nine out of ten. It's like it's like Top Gear. You know, if you ever watch Top Gear, you know what I'm talking about. They're just driving. They're putting themselves in funny scenarios. They're driving through the mountains. They're taking them on crazy road trips. They're talking about the feel of the car, what kind of car it is, like, why does it make sense? What's special about it? You know, all the things. It's just, it's just a very like indulgent, fun channel for like car enthusiasts and car nerds. So I've been really, I, I, I fall in and out of their channel all the time. So I've been listening to their podcast, watching their YouTube channel a lot lately, really enjoying that. And it's put me very much in the car mood. And I watched that, uh, Gran Turismo movie a few months ago when that came out and really thought that was a great movie. So like, I'm very much where, I, where turn 10 and Forza would want me to be to engage with this game. So, you know, when I have a little bit of time here and there, I'm playing an hour of it, 30 minutes of an hour of it doing a racing series. And it's great. It's, it, it feels exactly like how I remember Forza Motorsport five playing um, and Forza Motorsport three, when I used to play at my friend's house and, and Forza Motorsport 6 when I played it for like two hours one time on Game Pass. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's it's super nerdy. It's super in- intricate and, and sim-like. And it's way too savvy and, and over my head because I'm a very superficial surface level car enthusiast. And I'm just not able to appreciate all that it is. But I love digging around the menus, buying cars, 
exploring them, looking through them, inspecting the in- interiors and exteriors of the cars, and then taking them on races, and then tuning them a little bit, and being like, oh yeah, here's the Honda S2000 I wish I had in real life, here's the Subaru BRZ I wish I had in real life, here's the freaking, you know, the Toyota Supra I wish I had in real life, and just, uh, it's a Mitsubishi Evo, goddamn, why aren't these things still around, like, I, I just like toying around with the cars I love in the real world in this game going on a couple races simulating what it's like you know you get a real feel for these cars because the, the 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 magic of these games is that they imitate how the cars actually behave and sound and feel in real life through a video game that's it's pretty cool I see the appeal I get I get what's special about it but at the end of the day when it comes to like a racing game that I'm really gonna get sucked into it's gonna be something stupid like Disney Pixar's cars or Hot Wheels, where I'm just like, oh, look, I'm a fucking dragon dinosaur Hot Wheel, and I'm I'm doing a loop-de-loop in this guy's college bedroom. Like, isn't that cool? So, I don't know. It's just, uh, Forza Motorsport is a little too highbrow for my stupid ass, I guess is the way to put it. It's really nice. I'm enjoying some time with it. I definitely plan on playing a little bit more. It's just I don't have anything of value to add to the conversation. So, all I can say is I'm playing Forza. I'm liking Forza. Go play in like Forza if you want to go play in like Forza. And that's it for what I've been playing. So you guys, without further ado, I say we take a quick breather, get a get a, a drink of water, and then uh, we'll hop into the news. Okay, now let's get into the main news, talking about the official Microsoft Activision completion of the deal. It's over. It's done. We move on. This is it, you guys. It's been almost two years. Let's do it. All right. I think. Uh, let me. Well, let me explain how I formatted this. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six stories here, all pertaining to this deal and then spinoffs of news that you know spilled out following this deal being officialized and uh, what we'll do is we'll go one by one we'll stop in between each one a little bit just to kind of talk catch up and then we'll move into the next one so from the top and this is a collection of stories from windows central and vgc um, but here here we go starting off with this windows central announcement which is uh which was the day after the podcast went live last friday which was the day we thought it would happen uh december 3rd or december October 13th, that's the day the deal finalized. So Windows Central, their post uh, reads as follows. At long last, the epic saga of Microsoft attempting to acquire Activision Blizzard for Xbox has come to an end. Microsoft closed the deal on Friday, purchasing Activision Blizzard King for almost $69 billion and adding the publisher to the first-party Xbox roster. This deal was first announced back in January 18th of 2022 and has taken almost 20 months to the day to complete. Activision Blizzard King consists of multiple game developers across Activision's publishing, Blizzard Entertainment, and King publishing labels. These studios include developers such as Infinity Ward, Treyarch, Raven Software, High Moon, and many, many more. The deals add franchises like Call of Duty, Diablo, StarCraft, World of Warcraft, and more to existing lineups of Xbox first-party IP such as Halo, Dishonored, Elder Scrolls, Gears of War. Then I wrote this a little bit. Following this deal, Microsoft agreed to sell off the rights to Activision Blizzard games for cloud gaming to Ubisoft. With their cloud rights for any games developed at Activision Blizzard over the next 15 years belonging to Assassin's Creed, to the Assassin's Creed publisher, the deal was struck in an effort to win approval from regula- regulatory boards around the world, with specific emphasis on the UK's CMA that took particular high level of interest or, or high level of scrutiny to the deal. Now that the deal has been approved, all the now the deal has been approved, although the see I can't even read my own writing. You see that? It's just I'm, I'm freaking I get all dyslexic when I'm on the mic. Anyway, now the deal has been approved, although the United States FTC is looking to attempt to appeal the deal. While that is likely 
While it's unlikely to lead to anything substantial, that is, if history is anything to go off of, for now it seems that the, that the deal is sealed in permanent ink, and for the first time in nearly two years, we can get back to talking about Xbox news without having to constantly uh, play armchair legal analyst. Microsoft posted a video online in celebration of the news, welcoming Activision Blizzard to the existing first-party family of Xbox Game Studios and Bethesda Softworks. I'm sure you've probably seen the video at this point, and it's a little trailer. It's a little, uh, it's a little like heavy-handed PR, like pat on the back. A little weird with the music, but whatever. It's all in good fun. They're just, uh, it is a moment to celebrate. Again, like I said, whether it's you're excited because this deal means a lot to you, and it's exciting to see all these games become part of the Xbox family. Or you're just excited because the deal is finally over. We don't have to talk about it anymore. Regardless of the fact, you know, I, I, will, I will say this. As someone who grew up, you know, in like high school and stuff, middle school, high school, during the height of the Modern Warfare, Halo 3 kind of era of the Xbox 360 generation, there's something crazy, absolutely crazy about now turning back and going, yeah, the Halo guys bought the uh, Call of Duty guys. Yeah, Call of Duty is part of the Xbox family now, if you can imagine that. It's just, it's kind of crazy. It's really kind of like surprising and just one of those things. It's like I I never thought that's something I'd ever say in my life. But um, yeah, man, here we are. Uh, before we get into this real quick, Kronky wrote in says, I cannot wait for the Activision crap to end. High Moon and Raven classics need to be rescued so badly. You have to finally give Singularity a try. It's like the love child of Call of Duty meets Bioshock. Edit. It's finally over. Finally. Wow. Now we just have to wait a few days or weeks for the console warriors to go away. Then we can all enjoy our lives again. Um, well put, Kronky. That's it's more or less how I feel about it. Let, let all like the weird Xbox guys on Twitter who are like, the number one best-selling platform holder, Bethesda, Starfield, Xbox-owned Goatee, can now famously move on because Activision Blizzard is under the hold home castle dome of Xbox. Gamers, this is a time of celebration. We've earned this. We are bestowed a blessing and we are earned. My family and Xbox, my brothers and Xbox Christ, rise up to the occasion and to the challenge. Sivako, that's now now we're getting Disney again. Anyway, but anyway, it's just a, the, the cringy, weird, like self-appointed PR uh, fall on a bed of spikes for the for the brand kind of fanboys. Once they get their weird, cringy shit out of the way, the dust has settled. Uh, the exact equivalent on the PlayStation side of things that are just fucking crying because PlayStation's not winning. Um, once they all shut up and go away and, and crawl back into the recesses of the, of, of, of the, I don't know, crawl back under the floorboards into the walls where they belong. Uh, we can all come out and go, we call of Duty's on game pass and, uh, we can talk about video games again. So I'm very excited about all this. It, it, it is just, you know, 20 months. Are you kidding me? You know, it's just, it's nice. As of the day I'm recording this, it's 20 months because it's October 18th is the, the evening I'm recording this and, um. Man, it feels good to have this over and done with. Um, yeah, I mean, we've had we've had 20 months to talk about. It. You've heard everything I have to say, every way I think and feel about this deal, up and down, left and right, and I'm not going to waste your time with that again. So I will just say I am excited and relieved that the deal is done. And hey, if it means we live in a world where Black Ops and Halo are both Xbox games, I guess I won't complain about it because at the end of the day, all we got to do is complete the trifecta by getting Sonic the Hedgehog on board. And Xbox is officially the only place worth playing. All right, let's move on a little bit. So 
that's obviously the big deal breaker, not deal breaker, the big bombshell news. The deal is done. It's happened. Uh, ding dong, the witch is dead, et cetera, et cetera. But with this generalized news that doesn't leave us much to talk about because we've been talking about it for 20 months comes a bunch of new tidbits and smaller stories that, that have um, come out since this news that do offer us a lot to think about, talk about. And this is where it gets exciting and fun because now we get to start, you know, now Xbox and Activision, everyone gets to start talking and operating in a way that's official. It's not so much a holding your tongue. If, and when we acquire Activision Blizzard, our hope is that we can't say anything right now. You know, that kind of, that kind of rhetoric. Now we're at the point where it's like Phil Spencer can get up there and start saying shit because he's like, bitch, I own you. When, when Phil Spencer looks at Activision, when dude, Phil Spencer probably calls Bobby Kodak once a day and has done so for the past week. And he's like, bitch, you answer to me now. Phil Spencer's probably like, get me a fucking coffee right now. It better be piping hot. I want a, I want a latte with two, with two pumps of vanilla and it better be piping hot. And Bobby Kodak goes, but I'm in, where is Activision? They're in like Southern California. They're in like Los Angeles or something like that. I don't know. Let's just say Los Angeles. They're, they're further south in California than, uh, and, and, and the, the, but I'm in California and you're all the way up in, in, in Washington. You're in, you're in Redmond, Washington. And, and, and Phil Spencer will go, Fuck you, or Seattle. Uh, fuck you, uh, get me that latte now, and it better be hot. And I, and I better get it, too, as, as Video Game Donkey would say. And uh, and, and, then, and then Bobby Kodak has to run all the way up. He goes, can I at least drive it to you? And he goes, no. He goes, no, you must you must run it to me. And then Bobby Kodak has to run all the way to Washington State to give, to give Phil Spencer his coffee. And it's so funny because he sweats and he cries and he moans and it's not very pleasant. And Phil Spencer laughs and cackles and goes, ha, 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 ha. I own you. You answer to me. I'm your boss now. And then and then there's flames behind him. But it's okay. It's okay because Phil Spencer's a good person and Bobby Kodak is a bad person. Yes. So... With that uh, totally factual information out of the way, let's move in and talk about Bobby Kotick. Deal's done. Uh, or, or actually, let, let me put it this way. This isn't joking. This is serious. It, um, remember that leading up to Microsoft announcing that they were going to buy Activision in late 2019, what was the big Activision story? Oh, yeah. Activision was kind of in the shit right now at the time or that yeah that was uh 2021 not 2019 sorry in 2021 activision was kind of in the shit a little bit because of all the sexual uh um, misconduct allegations and harassment allegations and bobby Kodak's stories about kind of sweeping this stuff under the rug protecting people who were accused of these things and protecting their jobs and covering for them and then the story came out about Bobby Cody kind of being a, a harasser and a piece of shit and threatening to kill his assistant that one time and all these things. And so Activision's PR was kind of up in flames and a lot of people in the company were calling for his job, telling him to step down. And that's kind of where Activision was. And then Microsoft goes, hmm, they're kind of in the shitter right now. Stocks are going to be down. Uh, people are going to be calling for Bobby Kodak to leave. This would be a great time for us to swoop in and offer to buy these guys for pennies on the dollar. And then they end up way overpaying by spending $69 billion. But nonetheless... That's where we were right before this deal was announced. If you can go back in time two years and go back to that moment. So now that this deal is done, Microsoft has purchased Activision. We can go back to that and say, oh yeah, where were we? Yes, it is the longest where were we in all of human history. But two years have gone by. Activision is now owned by Microsoft. And we can go, now, where were we? Okay, Bobby Kotick, got to get that guy out of the company, right? Okay, well, here we go. 
In a memo to employees, Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick shared that he will be staying on through the end of the year. Quote, I have long said that I am fully committed to helping with the trans uh, with the transition. Phil has asked me to stay on as CEO of Activision Blizzard King, reporting to him. Ha ha ha. There's that coffee run again. And we have agreed that I will do that through the end of 2023. Kodak writes, we both look forward to working together on a smooth integration for our teams and players. When he departs in January of 2024, Kodak will have served as CEO of Activision Blizzard for 33 years. Kodak became embroiled in a scandal back in 2021 with lawsuits against Activision Blizzard over allegations of sexual misconduct and harassment. Kodak was later accused or uh, sorry, accused of threatening to have an employee murdered and <laughs> of helping cover up the harassment at the company. I know it's not funny, but like you're not you're not going to not laugh. Uh, hundreds of employees staged walkouts and demanded that Kodak uh, resign. Um, while the board stood behind Bobby Kodak, these events damaged the stock price of Activision Blizzard and the event helped encourage Microsoft to reach a deal to buy the company for $68.7 billion. All right, so let's stop real quick. So here we are. Now, where were we? Bobby Kotick, you're out. The good thing is they, they stuck they stuck to their guns on this. And I, listen, I understand. I, I know like we all want to be like maybe the right thing to do is to tell that fucker to get lost. I get it. But like, bro, you just spent $68.7 billion on this company. You got to make sure that the dude that's been at the helm of this thing for 33 years helps hand you the keys, walk you through the house, tell you which, which, which one's the the, the leaky faucet and, and you know, what to do when the fucking water heater starts making that noise, where where to hit it just right to get to shut the fuck up. You know, you need the guy, the boss, the homeowner, the, 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 the hold, the king, the keeper of the hold to walk you around and show you a thing or two, you know? Even if he is a piece of shit, you need that guy to help run you through what you're what you're inheriting, what you're taking on, and show you how it's done. So this makes sense. I get it. Um, honestly, if anything, I'm a little bit surprised that Microsoft is being Microsoft. And, and I wonder, maybe is Bobby Kotick saying, "I want to get out." Do you, you know, Microsoft did an all stock cash buyout of Activision. You know, it's like. They, they, Bobby Kotick's gone. He he got bought out. He doesn't own Activision anymore. Microsoft just paid this man many many millions of millions of dollars, um, and, and made him just so extra spectacularly fuck you rich that this guy's probably like, I'm excited to leave. I'm excited to get the fuck out of here. Here, take Call of Duty, take Warzone, take your stupid PlayStation deals. You want to bitch and moan about them? Do what you want with them. I don't care, dude. I'm moving to Cancun. Like that's where this guy's at right now, right? So if anything, I'm, I'm actually surprised that they managed to get him this long because honestly, my assumption would be Microsoft would probably want this guy for more than, I mean, the end of the year, he's leaving in January, bro. that's in, that's in like less than three months. He's got, he's got two and a half months before he's out. You know, if I were Microsoft, you probably want this guy for like six months, 10 months. I mean, you got this, you want this guy to really help transition you into a day in the life of owning and operating Activision, this massive video game publisher that is in charge of the most, the most massive, profitable, money-hungry machine of a gaming franchise that is Call of Duty and everything else that comes with it. Activision, Blizzard, King, everything. I would want that guy to stay on for a little longer and help me get control of the reins, you know what I mean? That being said, there is the part of me that's excited that they, that Microsoft is sticking to, again, and, and whether this is Microsoft pushing him out or him being like, you guys bought me out of my contract. Fuck you. I'm out of here. Regardless of how this plays out, it, it is surprising to see 
such quick and swift action on this, I suppose, which, you know, two and a half months, the year's over, bye. That's fast. And I got I got to say, you know, through those legal hearings and all the little documents we were getting pervy to, it, it seems pretty clear that Bobby Kotick doesn't believe in Game Pass and kind of thinks Microsoft is a little in over their heads with what they're doing here by buying Activision, doing what they're doing. My guess, if you know, if I just had the shot in the dark, not knowing really much else other than what I've read in the VGC articles, but my guess is that Bobby Kotick probably thinks that Phil Spencer's kind of got a little bit of a death wish here and that what he's going to do is is probably tank Activision Blizzard and probably destroy Call of Duty. I mean, like, because this guy, say what you will about Bobby Kotick, but the guy's a damn good businessman. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to make a profit. And what Xbox is about to do with, with Call of Duty is, in, in a sense, reinvent the business model as the as the thing's going, you know, like rebuilding the plane in midair, as, as so to speak. And I mean, that's not <laughs> this is a this to, to say this is a little bit of a risk is to put it very lightly. And so um, my guess is that Bobby Kotick is like, you guys are in over your heads. You're probably going to fuck this all up. I'm going to watch my baby get tanked and screwed in the, in the next couple of years with you guys in charge. But you bought me out of my contract. I've been here 33 years. It's I'm, I'm overdue for retirement. Bye. You know, but to that, I say, fuck you. Xbox is up for the challenge. Good riddance, Bobby. And uh, I'm, I'm excited, dude. I'm excited. And we'll talk more and more about that in the coming stories because Phil Spencer was on the Xbox, um, their Xbox is like PR, little internal podcast they do. And uh, he had all these really juicy, fun quotes, and we get to go through it now and hear a lot of what, uh, you know, the CEO of gaming, our, our, our boy Phil, has to say about about Activision now that they're under the Xbox umbrella. And it's it's actually some exciting stuff. So let's, let's get into that a little bit. So, all right, now we get into these VGC reads. Reviving old Activision Blizzard King franchises. So let's talk about that topic. Microsoft's head of gaming discussed how the company plans to approach utilizing Activision Blizzard games um, from their vast catalog of franchises in closing the games industry's biggest deal ever, the Microsoft Activision deal. Xbox maker took ownership of franchises like Call of Duty, Warcraft, Diablo, Guitar Hero, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, Overwatch, pour one out for that, uh, Crash Bandicoot, and many more. Quote, the amount of franchises that we now have in our portfolio is kind of inspiring. It's also kind of daunting, Phil Spencer said on the official Xbox podcast. I feel that we have done a great... I feel that we have to be a great custodian for the content we touch. These are memories from people on different platforms, different decades. And all I want to make sure is that when we're going back and visiting something, that we do it with the complete a complete ability, a motivated team that wants to go to work on something and make a difference and not just create something for financial gain or create something for PR announcements and not to deliver on the product. So I'm going to start with the teams and what are they passionate about? And that's why I'm excited to go on with these studios uh, and visit them and look at it. Spencer continues on by saying, I think we've done an okay job as Xbox. I don't think we've done a plus job on looking at our franchises and revisiting them. It's always a trade-off between what do you do that's new and going back and doing something. I think with Game Pass, we have the ability to maybe pick a couple of franchises every year and almost do a revisited. I just make uh, made up that term, so it's not a brand. It's not on a box. Uh, but, you know, the team's... 
But, you know, I tease these things about Hexen just because I remember playing that game as a kid. I have no plan for that, but I do remember when you look across all the franchises that are part of the team, that's an opportunity for us to go back, even if it's just to recognize the moment um, and what those things meant for gaming's history and do something with it, make it available to people through Game Pass. I think there's an opportunity that's not a plan for that, but there is an opportunity. Spencer said that he would be fully supportive of studios revisiting older titles if it was the direction that they wanted to take, quote, because I think it's just an amazing trove of things that we can go and touch again. But uh, he suggested that doing so wasn't something Xbox would mandate for these teams. He said that that applies to Xbox Game Studios, not just Activision Blizzard, and he praised the work Bethesda did on the Quake 2 remaster recently. Spencer was then asked if there are any game franchises he's personally excited to see um, or he's personally excited about players potentially exploring for the first time and rediscovering, to which he says... Specific on Activision Blizzard, there's some there's some moments in Activision history. You mentioned Tony Hawk, you mentioned Guitar Hero, or even things like Skylanders that were moments where the te- uh, where the teams kind of innovated outside of the expectation. You know what I mean? I'm I'm not going to carry a plastic. What do you mean I'm going to carry a plastic guitar and plug it into my console and play? Like that's never going to work until it worked. And then everybody said, well, of course it was going to work. You know, Skylanders in kind of the same way. Thank God, Phil Spencer, please fucking bring back Skylanders and Guitar Hero. Anyway, Spencer said some of the franchises he's deeply connected to are the ones that he played in his youth, like Infocom's Text Adventure, Zork, and Sierra's adventure game, King's Quest. Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't be expecting these anytime soon. Most important, quote, most important is that we treat these games with the respect they deserve and that we don't turn them into some way for us to just do it, like I said, a PR moment or something else. All right. Listen, sometimes you got to give credit where credit's due. This is one of those Phil Spencer moments, Phil Spencer's quotes, Phil Spencer interview moments where it's like, uh, you're like a really high executive in a big corporation. In fact, one of the biggest, scariest, greediest corporations in human history, and you shouldn't be so likable. But the truth of the matter is, these are those moments where it's like, God damn it, Phil Spencer, you make yourself so likable. There's no denying. Phil Spencer, he gets the assignment. He understands the perspective of a gamer. He is a gamer, no doubt. And uh, it's just, I don't know. It's like Xbox has owned Activision for like four days at the time Phil Spencer's making these comments. And we haven't seen Activision talk about their own past and their own games and their own IP with this level of care and respect and um, optimism for the future. Uh, in the entire 33 years that uh, Bobby Kodak was at the helm. And so this is the kind of shit, you know. I remember in the early days of this deal, weighing the pros and the cons and how it's conflicted about the deal. These are those pros, right? Xbox cares. Phil Spencer in particular very much has this attitude of like, hey, Raven Software, you say you, say you guys are really passionate about bringing back Hexen? Okay, why don't you go ahead and do that? And that's the kind of shit where I'm just like, oh my fucking God, this is amazing. It's it's exciting. It's exciting because I do believe that for the most part, there is going to be a status quo, right? Xbox just paid, or Microsoft just paid a lot of money for Activision Blizzard King. And they'll be damned if the main number one assignment isn't keep that Call of Duty gravy train going, baby. I need a new one every 12 months. I don't care if it's Modern Warfare 3-3 or Modern Warfare 2-3. I don't give a shit if it's Black Ops 3-4. 
call it whatever you want. Do whatever you want. I don't care if it feels like $70 DLC. I don't care if it feels like $300 DLC. You get that gravy boat going, chugging on down the line. We got to get that thing out every fucking 12 months. You hear me? So make no mistake, regardless of what Phil Spencer says, and, and he is the CEO of gaming, but this is a, 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 this the impetus is is on Microsoft as a whole. And on <laughs> they owe it to they owe it to themselves and to the Call of Duty community and to everyone to keep this thing going. And it's not to say that what's best for everyone is that Call of Duty continues to be annualized. It's just that I mean, you see what Call of Duty has built for itself, what Activision has built for Call of Duty over 20 years. And if you buy that from if you buy Activision from the people in charge, if you buy Call of Duty, You'd be a fucking idiot not to let that thing continue to do what it's been doing on autopilot like it has been for the past 20 years because that's going to be your moneymaker right there. You got Candy Crush. You got World of Warcraft. You got the the one Diablo game every 10 years. And you got that fucking Call of Duty gravy train choo-choo. Let's all aboard, baby. So make no mistake, that's going to be the main priority is to continue to enable and support that call of duty development cycle but it does seem genuine and sincere and clear that at least right now before phil spencer's really rolled up his sleeves and gotten down into the weeds and learned the ins and outs of what it means to be the guy in charge of activision before we get to that part it seems that at this point in time phil spencer's heart is in a place where he's like man I remember growing up with some great Activision games. I know our fans have grown up playing some really great Activision games. Activision's done some really cool, unique, creative things over the years. I just want these developers to know that, like, if anyone's got fun ideas or they want to go back and touch on the past and bring things back and remake this or revisit this idea, I'm open for that. I think that sounds great. And that's so exciting for all of us. You know, him touching on the Hexen thing, like acknowledging the shirt he wore uh, during the summer showcase earlier this year. And things like that. But um, yeah, man, at the end of the day, it's like, I think Phil Spencer is being genuine. I think he's being sincere. But I also think he's speaking from a very ignorant standpoint of like, I haven't really been a day in the life of the, the head guy of Activision, you know? And obviously Activision's going to be different now, right? Because they're not an independent publicly traded company, gaming publisher now. They are just another division of Xbox, which is another division of Microsoft. So Activision went from this very, like, every little thing we do matters so much because we are a publicly traded company in our stock price. We we are beholden to the, the shareholder. And that a lot of that pressure is, is off. It's eased off because now... They're just one of the re- they're just one of the many ingredients that help make up the Xbox cake. I mean, they might be flour, they might be a damn important ingredient, but I mean, they're just an ingredient now, you know? You know, if if a if a Call of Duty game gets delayed or something like that, it's not going to tank the stock price of Activision because Activision's stock price is Microsoft. And Microsoft shareholders don't give a fuck about Call of Duty. And they don't care about Xbox. And they don't care about what the guy on Twitter said about the Metacritic score of Starfield and how it's the goaded game. They care about Azure and Office and uh, Windows and whatever weird government agreement Sachi Nadella is making with the U.S. government to bomb brown kids in, middle, in the Middle East. Like that, That's what the shareholders care about. They don't give a fuck about 
Xbox. So it's kind of exciting and cool in a way because it takes so much of the pressure off of Activision to where they can kind of operate and be run in a more fun and cool way. You know, and I'm speaking solely about really Activision Blizzard when I talk this way. Because you can imagine, it's like, dude, oh, cool, Blizzard, go make a StarCraft 3. Come on, it'll be cool. Like, do it. It'll be awesome. Hey, Blizzard, go make a Warcraft 4. Trust me, it will be cool. People will like you again. Like, you know, it's like a little bit of that, like, encouragement. Like, go nudge them. Go do that thing. Like, fuck, yeah, fuck World of Warcraft, you know? Um, and, and, and there's a little bit of that energy with the many, many Activision teams, but with Call of Duty. But, like, at the end of the day, you got to keep that thing going. You can, because you got to justify the $68.7 billion you just spent. You got to have the, this Activision acquisition be the number one draw for people to come and buy an Xbox, subscribe to Game Pass, subscribe to Game Pass for PC, jump on this, uh, on this platform. And you're not going to get there by being like, that's fine, Infinity Ward. Oh, silly Infinity Ward. You don't have to make Call of Duty Modern Warfare 321. You can just go make that new... What is it you wanted to make again? Oh, um, uh, oh, a, a tactics game loosely based off the Willy Wonka franchise. Okay, so you play as like the Willy Wonka guy, and you and and you fight with like candy. It's like Candyland meets Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Okay, you go do that. Infinity. Oh, and what's that? What's that? Uh, Treyarch. You don't want to make Call of Duty Black Ops uh, declassified, unclassified edition. You want to go make. Oh, you want to go make a freaking mobile game where you play, uh, it's it's like Infinity Blade, but all your swords look like Mountain Dew cans. Like, they're not going to let these guys do whatever the fuck they want. At the end of the day, they're like, someone's got to make this Call of Duty game. But I wouldn't be surprised, you know, they, they, may, they let some teams do do this or that. And the, and the thing I would love to see the most, and I'll, I'll end on this. Because I don't, I don't want to talk about King, okay? I, I'm excited right now. I'm happy. Like, this is a fun moment. I don't want to ruin it by having to talk about Candy Crush. So I understand a huge part of why Microsoft wanted this was for mobile. And we can talk about that later in the show. But um, we'll talk about Activision for a second. It, it is possible that Microsoft could, because the, the, the sell at the end of the day is Game Pass. So it is possible that at the end of the day, maybe what the plan is, is to get Call of Duty off this annualized new Call of Duty every year kind of thing that's on. And maybe the ultimate goal is to try and say like, well, what if Call of Duty was more like a platform? You know, and it's just like a game and we update it over time. And maybe after like six or eight years, a new Call of Duty comes out. But, you know, it's just like new campaigns, new multiplayer maps, new events, new weapons, new things to see, do, buy, experience. But just... Call of Duty, could we really cut down on the development cost and time of Call of Duty by having far fewer people just support a perpetual Call of Duty platform as opposed to putting out a new game every year? Because remember, when you're Activision, you're an independent, publicly traded company, video game publisher, your obligation is to put out a $70 product every November that you can sell on all the platforms and make crazy money. But when you're Microsoft... The Call of Duty goal doesn't necessarily have to be sell a brand new $70 game every 12 months. It could be support and continue to drive people towards a games as a service that is accessible through a subscription platform like Game Pass and is always generating revenue because you always have new content, new store items to purchase, new events, new things to get involved with. And maybe like that model better serves 
Call of Duty as a Game Pass beacon way to draw people in and still makes a lot of money for Xbox while also being able to take off a lot of this heavy lifting where Activision's relied on like 75 teams and 3,000 employees to make Call of Duty at all times 365 days a year because they got to get a new game out the door every 12 months. So I do wonder if that's a thing. And if you want to get really tinfoil hat about it, you can even say like what's happening right now with Call of Duty where like they're making Modern Warfare 3, but it's kind of a glorified DLC. And like now Call of Duty is just one app on your console. It's not like Modern Warfare 2, Modern Warfare 3 aren't separate downloads. They're just under the one Call of Duty app on your on your Xbox. And the fact that they're kind of building out this soft but not fully committed platform where it's like some of your stuff from Modern Warfare 2 carries over to Modern Warfare 3, but not everything. It's like it's almost like they're kind of already playing with this idea anyway. They're kind of dipping their toes in the water slowly to see if maybe that would work for them in the future without fully committing to it. And maybe they're doing that because over the past year, they known that this deal was going to happen with Xbox and maybe there's some Xbox influence to kind of test this idea. I think that's super tinfoil hat and that's probably not likely what's going on, but like y- you could maybe see or imagine that happening. And the only thing that really pokes logic in that kind of direction would be that, Remember, Call of Duty is still going to continue to be a PlayStation game. They even want to expand it and make it a Nintendo Switch game as well. And once you do all that, okay, well, now it's like, well, they still want to sell that game for $70 a year every year on PlayStation where Game Pass doesn't exist. So I don't know. There's a lot of ways they could play this, but... I, I really appreciate and respect that Phil's like so open to like respecting the previous franchises. And I really do think that this guy at some point is going to make it happen in some way or shape or form. I hope we get Skylanders back, but for sure, I think we'll see something ridiculous like Guitar Hero come back. And I think for sure we'll see some other things like, uh, <laughs> like, um, oh, what's the freaking game called? Um, like the crazy superhero g- prototype. Like we'll see prototype and singularity and stuff like that come back in some way, shape or form. I'm, I'm very certain of it. And so, I really look forward to that stuff, man. I, I really think it's exciting that there's going to be a lot more. I really think there will be some more creativity and flexibility within within the Activision Blizzard King brand um, through through Microsoft's ownership. Although, again, number one priority is always going to be feed that Call of Duty beast. So remember, you, you didn't spend all that money for nothing. All right, let's continue on. Uh, we got a couple more. So Phil Spencer, basically the rest of these stories all come from this official Xbox podcast where Phil Spencer's talking about the deal. In this next one, Phil Spencer comments on Game Pass support for Activision games this year, to which he says, players should not expect Activision games to start coming to Game Pass soon. So for reference, two days after Microsoft acquired Bethesda back in March of 2021, they added dozens of Bethesda games to Game Pass just two days after. In an interview with the Xbox podcast, though, Microsoft's head of gaming, Phil Spencer, said that players should not expect similar surprise drops of Activision Blizzard games on the subscription service in the near future. While Microsoft was able to do a lot of groundwork on bringing Bethesda titles to Game Pass prior to the deal closing, that hasn't been the case with Activision Blizzard, as it was clear that the acquisition was going to be approved it wasn't clear if the, Activision, if the acquisition was going to be approved by the competition regulators until recently. Activision Blizzard said that the deal prior to closing was expected to start adding titles to Game Pass in 2024 with the following quote. This is Phil Spencer. I think that's accurate. I would love to think that there's some kind of secret celebration drop that's coming in the next couple of weeks, but there's not. Definitely when we think about new games uh, that there are, I would be straight with people. 
if we were going to put these games on subscription service later this year, I would tell people. And I know we're, there's some disappointment about that. The acquisition is definitely long-term, so the fact that we're not hitting day one with a bunch of games dropping in Game Pass is a little bit of a downer, but I'm very excited about the future. And I just want to be straight with people that that's where we're at. So I know the other week I was saying that my prediction is that Game Awards, they're going to have a big Game Pass drop, but maybe they're still going to try for that. But I actually kind of believe Phil Spencer on this, where he's basically just saying, like, listen, with the Bethesda deal, there wasn't much concern about that. There wasn't much scrutiny about that. It was kind of just an inevitable thing that was happening. So in the time leading up to that acquisition, we were working closely with Bethesda and basically able to start making things happen behind the scenes before they officially happened. But um, But basically what he's saying here is that with Activision, it, it was such a roller coaster of like, we're going to get it blocked. It's not going to happen. We're not going to get this 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 acquisition. And all these things like left and right with the CMA and the FTC, that's like we couldn't really work on anything because we didn't even know if the deal was going to go through. And we, we didn't really know, you know, we didn't really have the time to work on these things because we were too busy trying to get approval through all these these global regulators that were scrutinizing the deal. And so I actually believe him on that, that there hasn't really been – and also – because I don't know, the the Bethesda Microsoft deal makes sense. I think there's a natural relationship there. This one doesn't. So I feel like um, I don't know. I feel like Microsoft buying Bethesda is kind of like, hey, your old childhood friend Mike is back in town and he wants to see you again. He's actually moving into your neighborhood, and you guys are gonna become fast friends again, and you're gonna borrow each other's lawnmowers and go out to dinners with uh, on double dates with with your with your cup with your with your spouses, and it's gonna be a great relationship. And the relationship with Microsoft acquiring Activision is a lot more like uh, when you're like in your junior year science class and your biology teacher's like, all right, uh, Joe and, and Sally, you guys are being partnered up. And you're like, but I don't fucking know Sally. I don't even like Sally. And she's like, I don't like Joe. Uh, Joe picks his nose and wipes his boogers under the desk. I see it happen all the time. He goes, I do not. And with his finger shoved up his nose and, uh, and, 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 and the teacher says, Fuck you, work together. Uh, and then you sit at the same desk together and you're like, this is awkward as hell. And now you got to like uh, break the ice and find a way to work together and be friends because you would otherwise never talk to each other in a million years if it weren't for the fact that Miss uh, Miss Lukenbach or whoever the fuck just forced you guys to work together as partners and very much get that vibe, right? Like Bobby Kotick and, and, and Phil Spencer, buddy, buddy, weird. Pete Hines. Todd Howard, Phil Spencer, Matt Booty, these guys all getting together and having a cup of coffee that 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 Bobby Kodak had to run all the way up to their office. That's that seems like a natural fit, right? So I I believe it. I believe that there hasn't been a lot of working together up until this point. Really now it's like, okay, the deal's done. We're past the hurdle. Let's start figuring out what this relationship looks like. And that and that's really, I guess, the crux of what I was saying earlier, too, is just that whatever this deal looks like in the future. That really hasn't that it, it may have been explored independently by Microsoft and Activision, you know, independent of one another. But them working together, coming together, and like working out a plan and really figuring these things out and hammering out these game plans and what what things look like and how how this is going to operate. That stuff is really starting to happen now, <laughs> and, I, and I truly believe that. So this is disappointing that Game Pass isn't going to be getting that support immediately, like like uh, we did with. With Bethesda, but I mean, I don't know, man. I feel like 
there's got to be a way you can get that easy win of just being like, hey, yeah, like the Spyro Reignited Trilogy, the Crash, and Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remake, uh, and, uh, you know, Black Ops 2 and uh, Call of Duty Ghosts or something like that, you know, like they're all coming to Game Pass today, boom, you know, something like easy like that, you know. Um, I feel like you could pull that off at least, but yeah, I guess, I guess really, I don't know. I kind of believe Phil on this. So I, I'm kind of inclined to think that maybe they can pull something off in December as a little bit of a surprise, but probably really not going to see anything until sometime next early next year. All right, let's talk about no time exclusivity for Call of Duty. So this is another great one. So Phil Spencer's reiterated Xbox's pledge to maintain 100% uh, parity for Call of Duty across all platforms now that Microsoft owns Activision. Speaking on the official Xbox podcast, uh, Phil was saying that the kind of exclusive skins and exclusive content, limited time betas and all that that PlayStation has been accustomed to will no longer happen now that Xbox is in charge. So this past weekend when the Modern Warfare 3 beta ended, that was the last time PlayStation will ever get a beta before Xbox now that it will all be parry. Quote, for, uh, for Call of Duty players on PlayStation and in the near future Nintendo, I want you to feel 100% part of the community. I don't want you to feel like there's content that you're missing out on, skins you're missing on things uh there's timing you're missing out on that's not our goal the goal is 100 percent parity across all platforms as much as we can um for launch and content i say as much as we can on parity because clearly some platforms have resolution frame rate differences just based on performance but there's nothing else basically just saying nintendo's platform looks and runs like shit but aside from that which we can't control you know we're going to do everything the exact same he continued on and says we have no goal of somehow trying to get Call of Duty, uh, get you to buy Call of Duty on Xbox or buy an Xbox because of Call of Duty. I want Call of Duty in that nation, that community, to feel supported across all platforms. We've been on the other side of um, for some time. We've been on the other side of some of those skin deals, uh, and even this Modern Warfare Three beta wasn't on Xbox the first week. I don't think that helps the community. I don't think that helps the game. I love that. So the focus is for if you're a PlayStation player, a Nintendo player, a PC player, an Xbox player, I want you to feel 100% part of the Call of Duty nation. I hate referring to it as a Call of Duty nation, but I really appreciate the sentiment and the words nonetheless. I love that. I love that, like, so so immediately. So, like, you know, like, Bobby and PlayStation making these kinds of deals for, play, you know, making these kinds of deals to favor PlayStation with Call of Duty games year after year. It's nothing personal. It really is just business. It's not Activision saying, fuck you, Xbox. It's just money's on the table we're companies we're exchanging money in you know in, in exchange for content that will support one platform over the other and it's just you know it's just it's just pure business it's nothing personal but phil spencer basically getting to immediately jump in here and be like yeah that bobby guy that's on his way out he was doing it all wrong this is this is bullshit this is bullshit it doesn't really help anyone it doesn't do anyone any good and i love that because even though of course Xbox stands to benefit from this parody because even though it doesn't give Xbox an upper hand, it at least gives Xbox, you know, the, the same the same playing field. Um, I love that because it's just it's it's like something a Call of Duty fan would say on behalf of Call of Duty's community, but it's being said by Nintendo or by Microsoft's executive, which I love. Although that being said, there's a little bit of hypocrisy in that. Of course, Xbox does have somewhat of an upper hand advantage in that you know 
Call of Duty on Game Pass is going to be pretty fucking attractive if you're on Xbox. But that being said, Phil Spencer probably very much is open to the idea of getting Game Pass on PlayStation. That's just more of a PlayStation would never be open to it kind of situation. So just, you know, just in, in terms of pure what Xbox is willing to agree to and have even and fair and equal for all, um, you know, they're willing to they're willing to play the exact same cards for all players. And so I appreciate that, although, you know, they control the game at this point because they own Call of Duty, so it's not like they're con- they're entirely innocent and in, in, uh, and uh, you know and docile in, in 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 terms of how they're approaching all this. It is a business after all. All right, and um, last bit here is uh, this is the last one before we're done with the story altogether. Is Phil's comments about and this is where we can talk about mobile. So we're done with Call of Duty, we're done with Activision Blizzard, we're on to mobile. Phil's comments on on Xbox's mobile future. Phil Spencer suggested that Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard won't result in an Xbox franchises being adapted to mobile, or not all of them. Quote, there's just no way to really plot the future without being on a platform that's uh, that the most... Sorry, there's just no way to, to really plot the future without being on the platform that most of, of the planet already plays on, Spencer told the official Xbox podcast. The games are different, the business models are different, the whole dynamic is how you, of how you distribute, you find the games, is all different. So when I was looking at that, I need to find a team that had an amazing success for us to learn from. So literally, we just, you know, Amy Hood, who's the CFO of, of Microsoft, and I, we went through the list of who are most accomplished publishers in the mobile space. And most people would have expected, I think, I don't know, Activision would have been high uh, with King, as well as Call of Duty mobile work, Warzone stuff they've been doing, Diablo Immortal. And so I want to learn from those teams because I think it's critical for us to deliver on the full promise of over 2 billion people playing the opportunity to reach more people, more than 3 billion people playing video games to reach more than more and more people that that people will, who will play on their phones, find Xbox to be something that's interesting for them. It doesn't mean that I want to turn all of our franchises into mobile franchises though. It doesn't mean that every thing's going to be free to play. I think the distribution and business model diversity that we have is strength of the platform. People who want to buy games, I love that. People want to subscribe to their games, it's great. Free-to-play games are great as well. But I'm really looking forward to learning on mobile because the truth of the matter is you're going to continue to be relevant in gaming at a global scale. You're going to have to find a way to be relevant on a largest platform, which is mobile. Microsoft previously said that Activision Blizzard acquisition would improve its ability to make a new Xbox mobile platform and the next-generation gaming store to compete with Google Play and Apple's App Store. So I have a couple things to say on this. The first thing is that I think this is kind of similar to what that first story was all about with like him saying he's open to like letting developers choose what games they want to work on and exploring the catalog of old Activision games and bringing things back and remakes and touching things up and revisiting ideas and sequelizing and all that stuff. But the truth of the matter is this is Phil Spencer talking very candidly and openly. And I think he means this sincerely, but from a, perspective of someone who doesn't have the exposure and the training and the and the experience yet of the guy who has to run Activision Blizzard King because once he's in the job and he's shown the ropes and explained why things are done the way they do they're done he might be like damn I was really coming at this from the perspective of a player someone who doesn't you know a a games player who doesn't necessarily love all the ad ridden free-to-play mobile garbage we have on the ios and android app store but i see why it is this way (laughs) i see why it has to be this way and so it's just like this is very much like idealistic and lofty speak 
from a man who hasn't gone through all the motions and all the training yet to understand exactly how Xbox needs to operate in this space now that they're in charge of King, now that they're trying to expand in mobile. And I do think that at the end of the day, the main the main hope or aspiration for Xbox is to get their own Xbox Play Store or App Store on iOS and Android like we know they've been trying to get and work on. I would love a Microsoft App Store on, on Android, God bless. But, you know, get their own, like, app store and kind of ecosystem and have it to where basically the way it is is it's like, yeah, you subscribe to Game Pass and then you have access to the Microsoft Xbox hub store. It's like it's almost like an app store just for all things Microsoft, Xbox, Activision, Blizzard, King. And within there, you have stuff like Diablo Immortal or Fallout Shelter, right? But you also have... Game Pass games, and you also have games that aren't like free to play garbage, like games that you would expect to have to pay 20, 30, 40 bucks for, but they're including your Game Pass subscription, so you don't have to buy them for 20, 30, 40 bucks. You can just play them on mobile. These are full fledged mobile video game experiences that can be had through your subscription to Game Pass. And so I think the monetization method being Game Pass, they're going to try to make a reality where you can do some serious, legitimate, rationalized, normal gaming on mobile that is funded through your Game Pass subscription and accessed through this proprietary app store that they're trying to build as opposed to, oh, okay, now Activision Blizzard King's going to show us the ropes, they're going to teach us how mobile game works, and then we'll have Halo Candy Crush crossover in, in a couple months. They're trying to be a little more thoughtful than that. So I appreciate that they're trying to build something here. They're trying to carve out a market. It's just that Microsoft tries to do a lot of things. How many of those things work out? And so I'm not so entirely optimistic that this thing is going to be a smash hit success for them and that they're going to be able to pull off everything they're hoping to do. But I'm very cautiously optimistic about what they're trying to do in the mobile space. And I'm very curious to see how this plays out. But this is one area in particular where it's like, I just don't, uh, I just don't have a lot of faith that this is going to turn out because there's a lot of factors like getting this, this proprietary store community ecosystem thing they're trying to build on iOS and Android, good luck. It's going to be hard to get in there. And I know regulators are trying to open up these platforms more and more to allow for more marketplaces, but especially on Apple, good fucking luck getting that thing on there. We'll see. I hope it happens. I hope I hope it works. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's just Phil Spencer has the right mindset, you know, in terms of what the gamers want to hear and wish to see. But once he starts taking on the role and running the business and, and being trained by the former administration, I think he's going to learn a little bit about why things are the way they are. And then that may have a negative impact on his ability and desire to do the things that he theorized, the, sorry, theorized um, you know, back in the early days, in which case I'm referring to right now where he's talking about, oh, man, I don't want to just make generic Forza Mobile and Gears Mobile and stuff, you know, so... We'll have to wait and see on this, uh, of course, as always. But I have, I'm, I'm just very curious to see what Xbox in the mobile space starts to look like more and more as Activision Blizzard King starts to have a greater influence on the uh, on these this mobile initiative that Xbox has. So, all right, all right, we got a couple other smaller stories to get into. All. Um, yeah, this next one, now it's more of a PlayStation story than it is an Xbox story, but I do want to touch on this real quick. Um, we don't really have to read it too much, but it was a uh, Dr. Serkin uh, Ser- Toto, um, a video games industry consultant, 
uh, was talking about in a gamesindustry.biz article that he uh, believes that PlayStation is now kind of under pressure to react to this Activision deal with Microsoft and that it's he, he suspects that Sony will uh, will have to react by doing another big acquisition, kind of like with Bungie, maybe something even bigger um, where they're going to have to big a, buy a big publisher. And I think to many people, they believe this is going to be either Take-Two or Square Enix. Uh, companies that are valued at least half of what Microsoft spent on Activision, maybe even less than half. But but this would be a huge financial undertaking for a company like Sony that is so small financially compared to a company like Microsoft. And so, you know, this is just him as an analyst, as a professional analyst kind of uh, interpretation. But I want to talk about this just a little bit without reading too much in the story because I do think that it kind of, and this was one of my criticisms of the deal two years ago when we first talked about it, is that it does kind of put this pressure on Sony. It's like, you kind of gotta. And the reason why PlayStation kind of has to go buy another publisher isn't because PlayStation doesn't have enough studios or enough ability to make great games on their own as is right now. It's because what's going to pretty much quickly start happening is it's going to become this war of like, regardless of whether or not Microsoft is putting Call of Duty on PlayStation or not, you know, Regardless of what the deal is with this Bethesda game versus that Bethesda game or what PlayStation is going to do with Bungie games and with with Destiny being still on Xbox and all that, it is kind of financial suicide or, or, or like not, it's just not very business savvy to be like, okay, the industry is consolidating rapidly and there's only a few players that are going to be able to have the money to own things and by not jumping and buying someone now, we run the risk of everyone else getting bought up and if you're a playstation and all you have is the first party team you have which is a great first party round uh, lineup don't get me wrong but now all of a sudden it's like well apple bought ea and disney bought take two and microsoft bought activision and tencent bought ubisoft and this and that and you're just looking around the map it's like everything is spoken for and accounted for it's like shit because now you look at it it's like you're playstation and you have a bunch of really talented first party studios but it's just these one-off studios as opposed to these big publishing arms that have multiple studios under them. You have none of those. And all of the competition has all the big players. And so just it, 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 there's an artificial scarcity that has been created as a result. Or not artificial. There is a scarcity that has been created as a result of Microsoft making such a bullish move by buying Activision that it does put Sony position, I think, where they kind of, whether they want to or not, kind of have to be reactionary and spend some fucking money and buy someone. And I just, I agree with this analyst. I think there's a really good chance that we're going to see something like that happen in the next year. And I I agree with what most of the rumors tend to be. That's probably going to be either Take-Two or Square Enix. And Take-Two would be massive because that's, that's NBA 2K and that's Grand Theft Auto. By the way, two games I think would be really, really, really big, uh, really fitting first-party exclusives for PlayStation if they were to take those away from Xbox. So, And that's the thing is I think if PlayStation were to do something like this, they are more likely and more incentivized to make a game to make games like that PlayStation exclusive. Like if PlayStation made Grand Theft Auto if PlayStation bought Take Two and made Grand Theft Auto 6 PlayStation and PC exclusive. Wouldn't surprise me, it would be a massive fucking L to to Xbox. And I just think these are the kinds of thoughts that are going to be, discussions that are going to be had at 
meetings at PlayStation and the kinds of avenues they're going to have to explore. And, you know, the next step now that the Activision Blizzard deal is over is to see the reaction to the rest of the industry because the deal went through. And that's the biggest one. If Microsoft can get away with buying Activision Blizzard, anyone else can get away with buying anyone else. So now the race is on. And that's what I'm going to be curious to see next. So, all right. Next up, we got we got some shocking, sad news uh, here. But from Windows Central, Pete Hines, the head of global publishing for Bethesda, has announced his retirement. Hines took on the role as head of game publishing just one year ago. But at the time, Bethesda had began in 1999 when he joined the marketing team for the launch of the original Fallout. During his 24-year tenure, Hines made the name for himself by playing a role in the launch of Bethesda's slate of iconic franchises, including Elder Scrolls, Fallout, and recently, of course, Starfield. Hines said the following in his retirement announcement via Twitter. After 24 years, I've decided my time at Bethesda Softworks has come to an end. I'm retiring and will begin my exciting new chapter of life by exploring interests and passions, donating my time where I can, and taking more time to enjoy life. This is not a decision I came to easily or quickly, but after an amazing career culminating in the incredible launch of Starfield, it feels like the timing's right. It is certainly not goodbye by any means. My love of Bethesda and this, its people have never wavered, and I will never stop being a part of this incredible community that we've grown. Thank you to the hundreds of thousands of fans I've gotten to meet and talk to over the past 24 years. Your energy, creativity, and support has stuck. Has been, sorry, has been such a big part of my journey. I look forward to experiencing the next part of my adventure alongside you. Working with amazing people, teams, and studios at Bethesda has been the greatest experience of my life. I'm incredibly proud of everything that we've done together, and I'm genuinely excited to see the amazingly amazing things we can create next. Love you guys, Pete. All right, so Pete Hines is leaving Bethesda. I mean, Pete Hines, Todd Howard, those are the two huge names at Bethesda. And with him leaving, this is a huge blow to, to, to Bethesda as a whole. And again, it's... Here's the thing is here's here here's the quick thing. Pete Hines, congratulations on your retirement. Thank you for all your the work you've done. You've earned the, the retirement. Enjoy enjoy the rest of your years doing whatever the fuck you want to do. You've made your fucking money. You've earned your fucking money. Go have a ball. Enjoy it. That's great. <clears throat> now direct your attention to Xbox real quick. You can't help but wonder. This guy got out of his contract, but you know, he's he's probably under contract to stay on board. Uh, through the transition of Microsoft acquiring Bethesda and transitioning to owning them and operating and working with them, and then was under contract to stay through and do this whole Starfield thing, right? For Starfield launch. Starfield launches. It's successful. Things are good. He goes, okay, my obligations are fulfilled. I'm out. I got my money. Microsoft bought us. I'm super fucking rich now. I did my thing. Starfield's completed. Bye. I'm gone. And I can't help but look at it that way. And I wonder and worry if Microsoft has a little bit of a problem on their hands where they they spent so much money to get the names, you know, the, the brand names, the company names, the developer names, the IP, the IP in the back catalog. But did they spend enough money? in time nurturing relationships with individuals to retain the talent that makes the company's tick because Shinji Mikami left Tango Gameworks earlier this year. People are like, Oh, well that's no surprise. He's been talking about retirement for a long time. Fair enough. Pete Hines is now leaving Bethesda a year after a promotion. 
you know, if this was always in the cards for him to leave, maybe we wouldn't have saw him got promoted. But nonetheless, I, I don't know. So there's a couple ways you can read it, and maybe I'm just looking at the saddest, sad, uh, most uh, cynical way. But I just can't help but wonder if it's like Xbox. You got to you got to be careful about what you're doing by just we're just flippantly buying Activision. It's like yeah, but what are you doing to make sure that the the core the geniuses behind Treyarch Call of Duty games and Infinity War Call of Duty games and the the geniuses behind Diablo and Overwatch. Well, I wouldn't call the people behind Overwatch geniuses. I'd call them pet, uh, perverts. The perverts behind Overwatch. What are you doing to entice and incentivize and, and get these guys to stay and to in, engage them and invigorate them and make them want to stay and do more? Because I'm worried that this is going to be a trend. We're going to see this continue to trickle where big names at these various Activision, Blizzard, King, Bethesda teams are going to start dropping one by one by one because Microsoft came in, they bought them, they got their money and now they're out. You stay as long as you're contractually obligated to and then you bounce. I mean, the timing right after Starfield's launch, it's not coincidental, you know? The dude's obligation's over, and now he's leaving. So I just can't help but look at this any other way. Also, usual retirement is after 30 years. It's 24 years. It's a little bit of an early retirement. Sounds like he probably got paid a lot of money in that uh, Microsoft acquisition, which more power to you. Congrats. But I just feel like Microsoft needs to be a little more careful about making sure they retain the talent that makes these acquisitions worth your while. But... Shout out to Pete Hines. Congrats on your retirement. Fucking enjoy it. I'm sure you deserved it. I'm sure you've you've earned it. So, I don't know. All right, guys. Let's wrap up with, real quick, uh, Game Pass update for the month. We got some decent games that were just announced for Game Pass, actually. So, real quick reminder. A couple games that are available now through Game Pass. Like a Dragon Ishin is now available on Cloud Console and PC. I really want to play that game. Uh, but I won't play it until I finish all the other Yakuza's. Anyway. Uh, F1 Manager 2023 is now available through Cloud Console and PC, but coming soon, on October 24th, we got Cities Skylines 2 on Game Pass PC, day one Game Pass PC game, not a console game. Then on October 26th, we got Dead Space Remake, which is coming to Game Pass through EA Play on Cloud Console and PC. That's great. That's a really good get. Just in time for Halloween, a day before Alan Wake 2 comes out, kind of seems like a little bit of a middle finger, but um, that's a really good get. I really want to play that, but I'm definitely going to play Alan Wake 2 instead. Uh, Frog Detective, The Entire Mystery on October 26th, as well as uh, Mineko's Night Market. On October 31st, Headbangers, Rhythm Royale comes Day 1 Game Pass. And also on October 31st, Jassant's Day 1 Game Pass comes to Cloud Console PC. That's that new game by Don't Nod, that like mountain climbing game by the people that make Life is Strange. Weirdly interested in that game. I'm going to have to give it a go. But um, also keep in mind, uh, leaving on October 31st at the end of the month, the following games. So give these games a go before they're off Game Pass Forever. Gunfire Reborn. I always want to try a game. Uh, Kill It With Fire. Persona 5 Royal. Uh, Sign- Signalis and Solasta Crown of the Magister. Fuck you. All leaving on October 31st. So try them while you can. Persona and Gunfire. Those are mm, pretty notable. And then also worth noting, uh, available until October 20th, so only for like one more day at the time this is going up, uh, Game Pass Ultimate subscribers have a perk available where they can grab a 75-day Crunchyroll 
trial um, mega fan, Crunchyroll mega fan, which is, uh, I, I guess, uh, the ad free highest tiers of the subscription of Crunchyroll, which is the anime streaming service. So go ahead and redeem that if you haven't already. You get yourself 75 free days of anime bliss. Um, you've earned it. <laughs> So anyway, that's it for all of our news this week, you guys. Let's wrap up real quick with the important enough news stories. These are stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussion. I think we have three or four of these real quick, so let's run through them. Minecraft, uh, Windows Central reports Minecraft Live 2023 commenced last week, and Mojang Studios finally confirmed a new number, which is that Minecraft has crossed the staggering 300 million unique copies sold, which is insane. The last official metric had was... 238 million copies back in 2021 so they've sold you know 60 fucking million copies of minecraft in two years which is amazing for a game that's 15 years old in addition mojang is teased minecraft's 15th anniversary celebration with more surprises and news to come next year in celebration of the game's 15th anniversary uh next up windows central reports that on october 17th neowiz declared the internet declared on the internet that Lies of P has successfully shipped and sold over a million copies just under a month of the game releasing on September 18th, which is a really great accomplishment for a, a brand new IP from an unknown studio. Huge congrats to them, especially with it being a Game Pass game and everything. It's a really good, really good, uh, really good performance. So game's doing well on PlayStation and PC. Then. And next up, VGC reports Paradox Interactive and subsidiary Hairbrained Schemes have announced plans to part ways. According to a joint press release statement from the companies, separation is a result of a mutual agreement stemming from each party's strategic and creative priorities. The announcement comes shortly after the news that Paradox said it was writing down the development costs of the Lamplighters League, a new game that recently came to Game Pass, actually, following the disappointing launch of the game this month. Developed by Hairbrain Schemes, great name, by the way, the tactics turn-based strategy game is an original pulp adventure set in alternative 1930s which tasks players which, with assembling a team of misfits to stop an ancient cult. Stockholm Sweden-based Paradox acquired Hairbrain Schemes in 2018 in a deal worth $7.5 million, which seems quaint by today's standards. The Seattle-based studio has also developed the Showdown, sh- sorry, Shadowrun trilogy as well as Battletech among other games. Paradox and Hairbrain Schemes will go on to separate ways on uh, January 1st, 2024. The parent company will retain ownership of Lamplight, Lounge, League, and other games developed by the studio. And finally, Activision has delayed Call of Duty Warzone Mobile's launch window to 2024. Previously expected to release on iOS and Android devices this year, the game is now planned to arrive next spring. Officially revealed in September, Warzone Mobile is being co-developed by Activision Shanghai, Beanox, Digital Legends, and Solid State Studios. Normally that wouldn't make the podcast, but hey, now Call of Duty Warzone's an Xbox game, so we got to talk about it. That's going to do it for all of our news, you guys. We've made it to the end of the podcast. we made it to the best part of the show. The comments, the questions, the concerns, the shout-outs. You know how it works. You head on over to YouTube.com slash Xbox on podcast. That's at Xbox on podcast at YouTube.com. Click on the latest episode and leave a comment. You can say anything nice you want to say. You can say anything mean. You can say anything critical. You can say you can leave five-star review. You can leave, leave – if you're going to review, only do a five-star review. Please, for the love of God. Uh, but you can say anything you want. I'm not here. I'm not, I'm not your mommy. I'm not your daddy. I'm not going to tell you how to speak. Um, but I really hope whatever you do, it's uh, it's related to the podcast. Ask questions. Uh, let's throw in some fun scenarios. Would you rather's? Uh, and let's, let's let's have some fun. Let's 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 do some silly stuff in the comment section. I love it. It's my favorite part of the show. So always excited to get into it. Our first comment comes from Mr. Redo Vandal, who wrote in 
uh, with the topic I am uh, I'm, I'm I'm titling, "Am I too negative?" Redo Vandal writes in and says, "Jesse, really commenting on some other dude's YouTube channel being overall negative? Man, I know it's hard to self reflect sometimes, but so is this channel. While sometimes you get ahead of yourself in rants and shit on things that are so off topic." I've been feeling somewhat off when I listen in lately. Love you, but breathe sometimes, man. If anything, put your big dick away, boy. Congrats on the house, by the way. Well, thank you for the congrats, and I appreciate you writing in. And honestly, Randu, I love this kind of comment because I ask for all sorts of comments. I say you can be nice, you can be mean, you can be somewhere in between, you can hold me accountable, you can say whatever you want. I don't care. And I like this. I appreciate this comment. Uh, it's a good comment. Um, you know what? Fair. Sometimes, particularly the part where you say sometimes you get off in rants and you shit on things that are so off topic. Yes. I, uh, uh, yes, I cannot, uh, I, yeah, I can't even, there's, there's no response to that other than, yeah, you're right, that does happen. But I, I, I don't know. Here's the thing is, um, I appreciate this comment and I think it is important for some people, you know, sometimes you got to hold the mirror up have someone put the mirror up and and see your own reflection. And, and that's fair, but I will say while generally I am, I guess the kind of person that most would consider to be a negative person. I hope that at least sometimes it comes across for the right reasons. So let me try to explain that while everyone has room for improvement. And I'm sure that, I sometimes am overly negative. In fact, I know for a fact sometimes I'm negative when I simply don't have to be. I'm always looking for an excuse to shit on the government or make fun of Star Wars or maybe poke at the Brits a little bit. Although I've been trying to lean off the lay off the Brits a little bit lately, and I think I think that's that shows through a little bit. But I think I think it's fair to say there are some times where I just I just shit on things to shit on things. That being said, I don't know, man. I I used to have, I had this conversation with a friend a long time ago too. I remember because. He was he was saying something that like triggered this thought in me, and then he was like, maybe he was just saying to to like uh, agree with me or appease me or keep the peace, but maybe he really meant it. Where we were kind of like, we were both kind of like relishing in this shared kind of, I don't know, feeling of a lot of people interpret my energy or the things I say as like, man, you're just so negative, but it's like exerting the negativity to be positive. Maybe that's toxic. Maybe it's like uh, exhaling all your negativity onto everyone else so that you can feel better about yourself. And I don't mean it that way, but let's put it this way. Or let me back up a little bit and this will help illustrate the point better. I don't write the news. I just report on it. And I shouldn't even say I just report on it. I just talk about it on this show. This is a Xbox news show right like it's a it's a podcast about talking about the news in the world of xbox but it's not just like msnbc here's what happened in the news today like it is this this show is like whatever the fuck i want to talk about that's why even though it's an xbox podcast it's got a whole ass what i've been eating segment that's why half the people that write in are like taco bell aldi whatever because it's stupid and it's whatever we want it to be. And I, I I intentionally look for ways for the show to go off topic because to me, that's the fun of it. This is this is the one this podcast is the one time where it's like I can just nonsensically rant and be stupid and say whatever I want. And it's appropriate to do so because that's the point of the show. So it's like Xbox is the excuse for the content for what we talk about. But the thing is. 
we always have to talk about the news anyway. And I don't always like what's happening in the news. And I'm not always in agreement with everything that's happening. And I, I don't always have like a rosy outlook on everything. So if I feel like, you know, something's happening is, is shitty, I got, I don't know, like I, it's my obligation. I mean, there's whatever. This is like a stupid random ass podcast as a couple hundred listeners out of my fucking one bedroom apartment. It doesn't matter. I could say anything I want on this show and it doesn't matter. The worst thing that could happen is people could be like, fuck this guy. I'm not listening. Right. But I feel an obligation to just be honest and sincere and I'm not going to like blow smoke up your ass. Like if I feel like Microsoft buying Activision, for example, is bad for the industry as a whole in the long term. This is a net negative situation that the industry would be better off with more parties and entities operating independently. Then I'm going to say that because that's what I truly think and feel, but I try to be positive too. And I try to look for excuses to be positive. That's why like, I mean, like we're talking about call of duty and it's like, I'm not super high on modern warfare three right now. I don't hate it. I don't dislike it, but I'm not nearly as high on it as I thought I would be. But I made sure to mention like on multiple occasions during my ranting about modern warfare three, just how much I love modern warfare two, just how much I love black ops, cold war, just how much I actually really appreciate certain things about Vanguard. Despite the fact that it's not a good game, despite the fact that, the overwhelming majority of the discourse surrounding that game has always been negative. Like I find ways to be positive in my own way. I think one of the ways in which I come off as negative is that I am a little bit of like a hipster trash bag and not intentionally. So it's just that, I don't know, like I don't fucking like Harry Potter. So when like Hogwarts legacy comes out, I'm happy for avalanche. Cause I love that team and I'm happy that they have a win and that they still exist and that they get to live to see another day, but I don't give a shit about Harry Potter. So I'll make a little fun of Harry Potter. Right. But it's like, I don't know, it's like benign stuff like that. I, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm not making much sense, but I feel like I'm either negative when the subject matter calls for it or when I'm just being honest, but I also look for ways to inject positivity, not only to counteract the ne- negativity, but just because it's like I, I want to put positivity and happiness out there into the world. So I don't know. Maybe I'm not making a good point, but... um. I, don't know, I guess I guess I don't know. I, I appreciate your feedback, Redo Vandal. So, but I will say I, I I do think I am at least in this podcast. I do think I'm I don't know. I am gen generally a pretty positive person. I love Xbox. I love getting to talk with you guys all every week and read your comments and and talk about these things. And I am genuinely thrilled that this this Activision Blizzard deal is over with, so we can get back to talking about games in more of a you know games related situation less of like a legality scenario like we have been doing so i don't know i appreciate the write-in redo vandal i didn't do a very good job making my point or 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 making my case so maybe maybe you're just right i need to i need to watch my mouth but uh listen man I'll, i'll probably forget everything i just said and then be a total asshole next week but i do appreciate you writing in and i hope you have a wonderful week and uh you said put your big put you said, if anything, put your big dick away, boy. You have no fucking idea how not what you described it is. But anyway, let's move on. Sam Frito wrote in, following up on our conversation last week about Disney potentially buying EA, and says, EA should buy Disney. An Immortals of Avium rethemed to Space Ranger spin might make me happy. Seriously, Disney better call the power purchase parole officer Mickey before they make another stupid firing, halting, disbanding, etc., <laughs> they're just not into games or development on the flip side. Congrats to avalanche. They made it 74 hours in a Hogwarts legacy uh, has made me a total believer that they have made the best star Wars game of all 
uh, of all this gen if Disney wasn't so criminally obtuse. Say it with me, Mickey Mouse, in a Mickey Mouse voice. No, I'm not going to do that. Bob, you fucked up. Pluto, bite his Disney intellectual corporate knowledge off. Dick, for those who don't speak legal Latin. Thanks, Jesse. Best podcast in the 4.75 star range about eating Xbox. Eating and Xbox. Ooh, not eating Xbox, but eating and Xbox. Oh, fuck me. Noodles. We are going to have super, uh, Sonic Superstars and Hot Wheels Unleashed 2 next week. Man, baby powers activate. Um, Sam Frito, as always... I love you. You just, I don't know. This this man gets to the core of uh, everything I think and feel constantly. But um, great comment, as always. Um, but yeah, if I, if I can go back to being negative for a second, <laughs> real quick. And and, and <laughs> not, not to give you shit, Rita. I'm just, I'm, I'm just playing with the uh, the idea that's been introduced. But um, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's just as hard. Here's the me being positive about it. The reason why I sound so negative about Disney buying EA, that's stupid. That's fucking stupid. Disney shouldn't do that. It's because I care. Listen, I've been successfully raised by the brands that own my childhood, my youth, okay? I played EA games growing up. I watched Disney movies growing up. I dreamed about going to Disney World as a kid. You know, I fucking moved my whole last life to Orlando, Florida, just to be near Disney World. Like, I I, I genuinely care about these things, so... Even though the Bob Igers of the world, the executives, the people in charge, the the money makers and all that, they have the final say and industries have changed and the market has changed and the world has changed and the ways in which these businesses, these entertainment companies think about evolving and expanding and growing and making more money and doing new things. Despite the fact that the ways they have moved and shaken over the years has rubbed me the wrong way. The reason why I respond so negatively is because it fucking matters that like you build something and you keep that integrity in place. And this is what's like so disheartening about American business is like, there is no respect for what you've built in maintaining your image and your brand and making that mean something. And I know most people don't care. I understand. I understand that to the majority of people, no one gives a shit that Disney bought Star Wars. No one gives a shit Disney bought Marvel or National Geographic or any of those super on-brand Disney Disney things like The Simpsons, the most Disney thing of all time. I know. No one gives a shit. But for weirdos like me that find the time and energy to concern themselves with things that don't truly matter, it's like, but doesn't that just suck a little bit? You know, like, what was so, I don't know, what's like, what was so special about, like, as a kid, the Disney Channel, right? The thing that was so cool about Disney Channel wasn't because, like, we all thought Phil of the Future was a good show or whatever. It was because <clears throat> Disney always had that extra level of care. It was like, when you watch Disney's television channel, you're not going to get ads for just some generic toy or product. We're not going to show, we're not going to sell you a Bose speaker or a fucking Kaboom uh, spray we're not gonna we're not gonna freaking show you a commercial for JG Wetworth 877 cash now. When you watch Disney Channel, at, when we go to commercial break, you're gonna get a special bumper or splash screen showing something Disney. Then you're gonna get an ad for a show coming to Disney Channel. Then you're gonna get an ad for a Disney theme park. Then you're gonna get an ad for a Disney video game. Then you're gonna go get a sneak peek at a, a Disney uh, music video for the new zombies movie or whatever. And then we're going to go back to the Disney show you're watching. And we're going to, we're going to put you in a little bubble of everything Disney. And it's going to feel special. And it's going to add a lot more. It's going to add much more of a quality of a je ne sais quoi, of a, of a kind of, of a kind of sheen to our brand that makes it 
one-of-a-kind, premium, and and self-associated, where it's like, I know all these things are Disney because Disney puts me in a little bubble in a little world and affiliates all these things with one another because that's Disney. And you used to get that feeling in their theme parks a lot. You get that feeling watching their TV channels, watching their fucking DVDs and stuff. But in a world where Disney is not trying to be unique and cool and creative and one of a kind, but they're just trying to chase the cool trends that Netflix set and chase the cool trends that like, and this is, this is such a hard conversation to have on a fucking Xbox podcast. Cause most people are like, what are you even talking about? But like when you go to Disney plus and you see fucking R rated Hulu content on there, you're just like, this isn't Disney. You see national geographic and Simpsons on it. This isn't Disney. This is them just chasing the the model that Netflix built rather than marching to the beat of their own drum. And I think that's that's the key phrase. It's that it's that thing that people always say about Nintendo, right? Marching to the beat of your own drum. The way to be special, to be one of a kind, to build something that's really resonates with your audience and really makes you kind of like this like savant-like, special, well-regarded, well-respected, high-level thing is to be who you are do it to the best of your ability and ignore all the noise around you and follow that path. And so it's like, that's why I get all pissy about like, oh, Disney buying EA, that's so stupid. But now let's apply it to Xbox. The Part of the reason I care so much about Xbox buying Activision, it's like, what the fuck does Activision have to do with Xbox? I understand how beneficial it would be for Game Pass to have Call of Duty and Diablo. I get that. And I understand why having King could be so helpful to for Xbox to explore their future on mobile. I get that. But at the end of the day, doesn't it make Xbox so much more special if they're like, listen, Xbox is Gears of War and Halo and Sea of Thieves and Forza and Fable and Perfect Dark and, and this and that, and all these things that they own and that were incubated with them or that were purchased in the infancy and then and then cultivated and brought up through the brand don't doesn't it make it so much more special when that is xbox at its core and if you want to bring new things into xbox you create them from the ground up and you nurture new things that 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 are influenced by the culture and the heritage and the people in the many years of the way things are done within the walls of xbox isn't that more special because I love Call of Duty Black Ops, and I love Xbox, but telling me that Call of Duty Black Ops is an Xbox game is like fucking telling me that, I, I don't, like, it, it's like, you're just, it's like trying to convince me that the fucking Whopper was created at, at Chick-fil-A or something like that. It's like, I don't, I don't give a shit who buys who. At the end of the day, it's like, it just doesn't make, it just doesn't make sense. And you lose a lot of your brand and your sheen and what makes you special. And that's part of what's so cool about like a company like Nintendo. Nintendo just laughs you out of the room when it's like, okay, well, what publisher are you going to buy Nintendo? And it sounds like, fuck you, man. We're going to make a fucking 2D Mario game. Which is the same shit we've been doing for like 40 years. And you're going to love it. And they're right. Because Super Mario Wonder just came out and apparently it's amazing. I haven't played it yet, but apparently it's amazing. And I, I love that shit. And so that, like, that's, I'm negative. It sucks. We complain about it. But it's like, that that's why I care. It's just because I love that. Like, I don't know. And I can go on and on. And I won't. But I could go on and on about this stuff forever. Like, like I, I was a big Windows 8 fan. 
I loved Windows 8 so much. I know people hate Windows 8, but I love the Metro design, the tile design. I loved Surface and Windows 8. It just felt so like incubated in-house, authentically Microsoft. This was so unique and creative and it was their thing. And like, don't get me wrong, Windows 10 was great. Windows 11 is great. But like, I, I, I'm on my computer now and like I, I click around, I look at Windows 11 and I'm like, Windows 11, it's great. Its features are wonderful. It's easy to navigate and explore. It, it's capable and powerful and fast and snappy. And it's a wonderful operating system. But I look around at Windows 11. I'm like, ah, Windows 11, I kind of hate it. <laughs> because it's like, I don't know, it kind of looks like kind of looks like Mac OS. It kind of looks like iOS. It's the fucking bubbly icons. They just look so derivative. And it's just so uninspired. But it's like, I don't know. I love Windows 8. Because even though so many people hated Windows 8, it's like, I don't know, it was just so unique. It was just, it was marching to the beat of its own drum, like Nintendo does when they put out a fucking Fisher-Price tablet and call it the Wii U. And people can laugh at it, but the Wii U fucking rocked. So I don't know. It's just one of, it's just one of those things. Like, that's, that's my thing. I understand there's a thing that makes business sense, and for Disney, that's buying The Simpsons and EA Games and, and National Geographic. And for Microsoft, that's buying Call of Duty and Candy Crush and Diablo. I get it. And God forbid, fucking Overwatch. And even though it's cool because it means Game Pass is going to be really great and we got some really awesome games on, on Xbox and it's a really great boon for Xbox's library. And all those things are exciting and I don't want to take that excitement away from people. It's just like, I don't know, isn't there that voice in your head or that side of you that acknowledges that there's something decidedly less special about Microsoft going out and buying someone else's creativity that's well-founded and established as opposed to incubating and cultivating their own. And like, I don't know. That's so that that's what I'm talking about. That's a good way to tie the first comment to the second comment. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just like, I'm negative because I care. I'm passionate. I, I have, I have feelings about this. And as for why I'm so negative and mean about, about Harry Potter, well, that, that's just because I think Harry Potter is really stupid. But if you like Harry Potter, more power to you. And, and and for what it's worth, I played like eight hours of Hogwarts Legacy, and I think it's a really good game. It's it's pretty fun. It's pretty competent. And I would like to go back and play some more of it. But I still think British kids uh, flying on broomsticks and, and um, eating chocolate frogs is silly. But uh, Clanky writes in <laughs> next comment and says, Psst, Jesse, your Disney boner was showing in last week's episode. Tuck that shit in your waistband, man. Just kidding. Never heard a person talk so passionately about Disney before, even you, even for you, like you did in the last episode. Glad you have things in your life that bring you joy. Thank you, Clunky. You get it. Uh, played through Halo 4 again recently, and it is a damn good game. It has a few mad moments, but I don't think, I, I don't get the hate for the game. Is it perfect? No. But I can't find, uh, but I can find the charm in its imperfections. I'm pumped with Halo Infinite Season 5. You're going to be, are you going to be streaming it this week? Keep up the good work, listening each week. First of all, thank you for the comment, Clanky. Really appreciate it. And um, yeah, let's just go down the, the list. Uh, my, my Disney boner is always showing. Let's just be completely honest about that. Um, yeah. Dude, I, I, I haven't, like, full disclosure, I haven't been to Disney World in almost a full month. And I'm losing my shit. I'm, I'm being very disciplined. I'm, like, just not, I'm not going places. I'm not tempting myself. I'm not doing anything. And I'm, I need to go ride Soarin' Over California again. That's all I know, buddy. But anyway, um, Halo 4. I'm so glad you brought this up, man, because I just I, I just love when other people are able to see and appreciate this thing about these 343 Halo games. I, I feel the same way, man. Halo 4, definitely not a perfect Halo game. There are obvious ways in which I think Halo 4 was a misstep coming off of Halo 3 
in continuing on the series, it's like, mm, like, like the armor ability, like the Spartan abilities and things like that. I'm like, that's, mm-mm. that see, like that, that was a fun idea for a spinoff game like Halo Reach. That's not something that should be a mainstay for the franchise. That's, that's a mistake, you know? And I, I know people had feelings about the multiplayer feeling a little more like Halo turning Call of Duty and things like that. But at the end of the day, I, I so dig Halo 4s and 5s aesthetic and art style. I, I love that art style so much. I thought that was such a good evolution for Halo's art style. And man, those games are so good. That that campaign hits so hard. And in the multiplayer, for you say what you will about what it did to the Halo formula, it's not like real Halo. It's fun. <laughs> I don't care. It's fun. Every time I go back and play Master Chief Collection, I always play a little bit of Halo 4, and I'm always left being like, damn, this game is fun. It's so fun. I, yeah, I, I love Halo 4. So I'm glad you're able to find um, find some enjoyment in that game. But no, I will not be streaming Halo Infinite uh, Season 5 because my girlfriend and I have made an agreement that I am not going to stream. The, the reason I haven't been streaming in months is because I'm not going to stream until after we move because uh, we live in 800 square feet of, of apartment. And this poor woman has uh, endeared like four years at this point of me shoving her in a corner every Wednesday night so I can record the podcast. And then on top of that, doing streams and stuff, it's just, it's too much to ask of someone to be like, Hey, um, you have to like not talk or be here because I got to talk to a bunch of strangers about, uh, my Disney boner. And so it's like, you know, it's like one of those things. It's like, I got it. She's, she's done so much and sacrificed so much to like, let me do this show that like, we're going to wait until after the move because after the move, I'll have my own, I'll have my own little, office room where I can, where I can podcast in my boxers until my heart, you know, till my heart's content, you know? So when that happens, I'll go back to streaming. I'm actually very excited about it because I've had the itch to stream again for quite a while, but, um, yeah, we're just waiting till then. So probably around the holidays, I'll, uh, I'll start streaming again. So I am looking forward to that and we'll definitely play some Halo Infinite. I'm, I miss streaming zombies and I miss streaming Halo. So yes, for sure. Uh, but thank you for writing in, Clanky. I hope you're having a great weekend and or a great week. I don't know why I said weekend. I hope you have a terrible Monday through Friday, but just a phenomenal Saturday and Sunday. Like I hope, I hope on Saturday you find a hundred dollars on the floor, and on Sunday, um, all your family comes over and you guys have a great uh, banquet, and then um, and then Jeopardy does a marathon. I hope it's just a wonderful Sunday. But I hope your Monday through Friday sucks. I hope I hope on Monday you wake up five minutes late for work, and on Tuesday you stain your favorite white shirt. Fuck you. Uh, no, that's not true. Clanky, thank you for writing in, and have a wonderful week. All seven days. Have a great seven-day week. All right. <laughs> uh, let's get to the miscellaneous comments. Um, Compassionate Choice LLC wrote in, literally just a link to a YouTube video, and the YouTube video is called Todd Howard Unveils the Truth About Starfield and Honest Conference. This is a YouTube poop where I, oh, I can't tell if it's AI scripted or if it's a mashup YouTube poop, but... Uh, it's uh, Todd Howard on stage with Jeff Keighley at the Summer Game Fest or something like that, or or uh, Gamescom, and he's just talking about how <laughs> they're trying to make Starfield a bad game, and it's funny. Um, I don't agree with this because I love Starfield. I think Starfield's a great game, but I did think this video was a lot of fun. So yeah, sure, sure. Haha, compassion choice. Hope you're having a great week. Uh, hope you have a terrible Wednesday, but a great Thursday through Tuesday. Um, but yeah, thank you for hanging in. Dead Captain James writes in the OG the favorite child. And he says, ironically, I finally got hooked on a game after last week's last week's comment. If you remember last week, Deadhead and James wrote in about just not being in the mood to game. Uh, but he says, I have, uh, I've had control in my steam library, 
for a while, and I decided to try it last night, and I played it for five hours straight. Your advice on my question was very well thought out, by the way. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate you uh, saying that, but I'm glad you were able to find something to uh, get you back in the mood, and if, if I might if I might add, Control's a great game to get you back. Control is, damn, Control is such a fine game, so I'm, I'm happy for you that you're experiencing that game. It's like one of those, like, I'm a little envious. I wish I could play that game for the first time, uh, but yeah, Control's so good, and what a great way to get you, uh, warmed up for Alan Wake 2, you know what I'm saying? So, Dead Captain James, thank you for IN. I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you found your gaming groove again, and I hope you have a wonderful week. Um, maybe for everyone, I should wish them one bad day. For you, I hope you have a bad Thursday in particular. Um, no, no, I hope you have a great week. I hope you have a whole ass great week. Cronky writes in, Cronky, you're cheating. You already were in the show earlier, and you said, I actually think that Resident Evil coming to iPhone is awesome. I love to see phones get so advanced that they can run real video games without major compromise. It also suggests the future where all gaming devices can be much smaller and more powerful. Uh, yeah, I, I love that too, just because I like to see technological advancement and achievement. But at the same time, it's like, please don't take away my my dedicated console home console device, please, for the love of God. Uh, and our final comment comes from BP Fatio, the new name, man. Uh, uh, since Battlefield 1943, my gaming has been 90% Battlefield games. 2042 lost me, so I jumped into Halo Infinite's multiplayer. Infinite, ha- why did I say it like that? Multiplayer. Multiplayer. Infinite has been my first Halo experience, and I have been playing nonstop since launch. To be honest, Starfield and Andresia have lured me away lately. Okay, you stay the fuck away from my girl. She's mine. I married her in the game, and if you're married in the game, you're married in real life, okay? It's real. She said she loves me. We have a fucking high-rise apartment. I am UC Vanguard, and I will fight you. Um, but no, congrats to you, man. Um, it, it, you, you fell in love with Halo, and that's awesome. Um, yeah, Battlefield 1943. Shout out to 1943. That's a great game, actually. But um, I'm glad, I'm glad you found your way with Halo, because Halo is... So wonderful and so different from Battlefield, but I'm glad you. I'm glad I got you because Halo is uh, just the most special first-person shooter franchise there is, and for us to get for us to be ingratiated with with you as a as a new player of the series means that uh, the Halo community is better off for it. So I appreciate you writing in. Hope you enjoy. Hope you enjoy that season five. I can't wait to play season five uh, this weekend. I'm really feeling that Halo itch for the first time in a long time, and can't wait to take advantage of it so hope you guys have a great week that's gonna do it for the podcast um all hope you are all well hope you all have a wonderful monday through sunday um if there's an eighth day of the week i'm sorry i forgot about it but maybe you can have a bad one of those days Um, but until next week please enjoy halo infinite season five enjoy modern warfare 2 the haunting season six uh content update Enjoy Forza Motorsport 6. Enjoy your Aldi coffee. Enjoy whatever it is that is bringing you joy. And until next week, be kind, rewind, empower your dreams. <laughs>